2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast
0: is part of the Planet
3: Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi everyone, Jess here, just jumping in at the start of the episode to give you a little bit of an update because we recorded this episode a couple of weeks in advance uh, because Matt was going up to Brisbane and so what should be playing here was a little um, promo for you about our upcoming Melbourne International Comedy Festival shows, which as most of you know by now, has been cancelled, which is hugely unfortunate, it was a really hard call for the Comedy Festival to make, but completely the right one, we fully support it, but it's obviously really dis- disappointing because we love to perform in Melbourne um, and it's it's you know the comedy festival is one of the best times of the year so it's it's really disappointing and if you did buy tickets to the um, to the shows that we're going to be doing at Comedy fest don't worry you'll be getting a refund um, really soon so just keep your eyes out for that over the coming days A few of you have also got in touch asking if there were ways that you could, donate to the show um and uh look we we want to let you know that we are we're going to be absolutely fine um i believe the comedy festival is setting up donations you can make to artists who um we're going to be performing shows in the comedy festival so if you've got A Spare change, I would definitely recommend doing that. Um, I think there was also word coming soon that they'll be putting together a fundraiser for event staff and tech support that we're going to be working in the festival who have lost a month's worth of income. So um, I would definitely say head over there and um, if you can, if you can spare the money, that would be a great place to put it. Um, Alternatively for us, uh, it it might be worth having a look at our Patreon. Um, We've had a lot of people join up the last few days um as a way to support or some people have increased their the tier that they're on which seriously blows our minds it's it's so incredibly kind of you and we really appreciate it and um yeah i think it just makes us feel a little bit better rather than taking a donation um because you get something out of it as well we've got 60 plus bonus episodes up there on patreon there's newsletters there's a facebook group which is one of the loveliest communities i've ever seen it's really lovely um And, yeah, plenty of other perks and stuff as well. And you can join for as little as a dollar a month if you want to or five bucks, you know, whatever. So um, that might be something you can have a look at. Absolutely no pressure from us, of course. We know this is a really hard time for everyone across every industry. Every job is affected at the moment. So um, definitely put yourselves first. Make sure you're looking after yourself and the people around you. And if you're looking for some extra content to keep you entertained while you're – in self-isolation, then maybe Patreon's a place to look for you as well. Or if you're fairly new to the podcast as well, we've got 200-plus episodes, so there's heaps for you to, um, to go back and have a listen to if you need something to get you through. Another thing too, just quickly, is that a lot of people have asked us if there was some kind of alternative way we could do our live show for you because we don't get to do it for the comedy festival. Um, the short answer is that we're looking into it. There's a lot of logistics involved. Um we're hoping to use stupid old studios for something, but that does mean bringing a bunch of people into a into a studio space to do it. So we need to look at um the logistics of it and also the safety of ourselves and the people around us. So um stay tuned on that. We'll let you know as soon as we have information um but we're definitely looking into it because we love to bring you our live shows um very much. So yeah. Stay tuned for that, but um, maybe give it some time just for us to make sure that everybody is healthy and safe. And just finally, um, I just want to note that, again, we did record this two weeks ahead. So if our tone throughout this show is um, a little too cheerful, just remember that it was before we knew the world was ending. Um, you know, so just think back to simpler times before all this really took off. <laughs> We're going to be recording new episodes over the weekend. Um, So from next week onwards, it'll be, um, you know, more tone appropriate, I feel. You'll definitely be able to sense in our voices uh, while we tell stupid stories that we know the world is ending. So look forward to that next week. (laughs) Okay. The boys never let me do these intros and, and I'm starting to understand why. But anyway, on with the show.
4: Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart.
1: Yes!
0: Oh,
4: it's, it's time. To,
0: the, the worm has turned, if that's what that's saying, man. The
3: worm has turned and I am the worm.
4: <laughs> well, the worm was just looking at me begging with her eyes when you said
3: that. To... <laughs> I'm so glad you picked up on what I was yes, telepathically like, yelling at you. I was
4: just hearing, say it, you fucking
3: <laughs> Accurate. Hello, Dave. Hello, Matt.
0: Hello, Jess. Hello, Dave. Hello, both of you, equal favourites of mine. I'm, yeah, same to you. I equally favour you both. Uh, but it's great to be catching up with you. I am up in Brisbane. Am I or am I back? No, I'm in Brisbane. <laughs> Where am I? No, you're back. I'm back. I've just got back. Have I? This is
3: the 18th.
0: No, I'm still in Brisbane.
3: Are
0: you? I'm having a great time oh, up yeah, here. You're still in, in Brisbane. In the sunshine. Is it
3: nice? you having a good time? Oh,
0: it's so lovely up Do here. Do you miss us? Yes, every day. It's so good to be catching up with you. Thank you. Here via. Satellite link.
3: <laughs> I'd love it if we could do that. Then we could just do it from our homes. Oh, oh
4: so right. well, good. we have like would it be video? Like we'd be on the big screen?
3: Um I'd prefer not, because if I was at home I probably wouldn't have pants on. Oh I thought you
4: mean you didn't want to look at me. <laughs> <That's what> you... <laughs> I'd prefer you went there actually. Just if you don't mind screen. if you don't
3: mind that I don't have pants on, then sure, screen's away. Well oh, could I'm you not.
0: just
4: point the camera above the waist?
3: No. <laughs> Because whenever we're on tour, you guys get to walk around with nothing on.
4: <laughs> well, we don't tell you that you have to put clothes on. That's true. All right, well. Wait, we don't walk around with nothing on. Well, I do.
3: Dave will have just his jocks
0: on.
4: Well, I mean, will have I, a
0: t
3: shirt And have you'll come drawer. out in a towel.
4: Yeah. From the shower. <laughs> I can see your nips. <laughs> I love that. You're like, we don't have, we don't walk around with nothing on. Well, except for when we're forking from the shower, then, yes. Then I've got nothing on.
3: <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to that next time.
4: Um, Don't hold him while he's wet
0: (laughs) David, please We're trying to do a serious podcast show here Yes, come on
4: Alright, well what is
0: this show, Matt? Well, this show is all about learning, laughing, living And trying to not do much lamenting It's all about different things from history It can be anything And we never know Well, two of the three of us don't ever know And this week, the two of the three of us is David And And the one of the three of us who does know is Jess As soon as the two of the three gets in, we always get confused (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> but he does it every time.
0: We, um, <laughs> so, one of the three of us always does uh, research <laughs> on a topic. And this week, Jess has done that research. Dave and I don't know what the topic is. We're champing at the bit to find out what mm-hmm. it is. I'm
4: chomping at the bit. <laughs> is that? <laughs> I think it's interchangeable. I okay. Yeah. And
0: uh, to get us on the topic, Jess is going to ask you a question right now that goes like this.
3: What TV show theme do we sing very, very frequently and where was it set?
0: It's either Frasier or Frasier The Nanny. Or the Frasier's Nanny. in Seattle. The nah, Nanny's in New nah, York. Nah. Flash and Queens.
3: What's another one we sing Friends is in New York. We don't sing Captain that. Planet? No.
4: Um, is
0: it Widget the World Watcher? That I don't know where that theme is. Theme
4: from Hawaii Five-O. Yeah, love it. Sick. Have you ever heard
0: there's a Radio Birdman and a... A uh, legendary Aussie punk band do a great cover of that, so good.
3: Matt, think of your favourite TV dad.
0: Um, uh... Sandy Cohen, mate. Oh, The OC. <laughs> we going to the uh, in Newport?
3: Yeah, not far, I believe. Orange County. <laughs> Orange County. Orange County.
0: Orange County. Bloody hell, The OC. Because I,
3: think... I just wanted, I needed to ask a vague question because I didn't want to give anything away.
4: Oh, so we're not talking about The OC.
3: But it is set in.
4: Uh, are we talking the
1: about OC? Chino?
0: <laughs> hey, Chino! <laughs> Well, they'll oh see bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I isn't that funny that um that was nowhere near my brain. My favorite yeah, TV crazy. dad. I've not li- I've not seen that show in so long. But
3: you have talked about him recently as your favorite TV dad. You talk- I just think
0: it's funny, isn't it? Not funny. It isn't is it funny, but
3: he's funny? also he's also a good TV dad.
0: He is a great. Oh, Sandy Cohen. He taught me how to smear a bagel. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about?
3: Smearing <laughs> a bagel, Dave.
0: He taught one day was like one of the early bonding moment, father son bonding moments <laughs> that he had with Ryan, mm. where he goes, "Let me show you how to." And he's like, you're doing that bagel all wrong. This is how you smear a bagel with cream cheese. You smear it.
4: Did he actually say that? I I, mean, I, do, I don't know.
0: That's how do, I remember do they have,
4: it. Do they have a script supervisor on that show. What do you
3: mean? That's like, that's a beautiful father son <laughs> moment. That's a beautiful
0: moment. Why are you fucking with it, man?
3: You know, there's the mo- big moments for a father and son. You know, you're teaching him to ride a bike, teaching him to shave, teaching him to smear. It's <laughs> not <laughs> the same, Dave. Yeah.
4: They're very similar, well, the shaving and passage. the smearing. I'm just jealous that I was never. <laughs> Talk to shmear. I was talking. Smear talk your face. I was talking to sh- shave a bagel. But yeah, well,
3: and to smear my face.
4: Oh, sh- oh it didn't uh, work.
3: That explains the beard. <laughs> I, can't,
4: I can't shave it off. I smeared this on. It's made of salmon.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, to um to to get us oh. to set the scene. I'll ex- it'll, it'll
0: Oh wow, this is fascinating. I don't think we've ever done a topic like this where well, you haven't told us anything. Love it.
3: Well, yeah, I just can't I'm
0: sitting on the edge of my seat.
3: I can't I don't want to give anything away. So we'll just But we'll... you're
0: going to eventually, right? Um, <laughs> we
4: get to the end of like 2 hours of... And uh, that's I it. Can't really say more what, about What were you that? talking about? <laughs>
3: what was it? Oh. <laughs> it was inside you all along.
1: Oh,
0: Sandy Cohen. Yes.
3: So uh, this is an excerpt.
0: Is she going to give us the talk?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to
3: teach No, Al's already done that, basically. Well, no. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, This is a, uh, I'm going to start you off with an excerpt from a book about this topic. Okay. Southern California is a place of many identities. There's the bustling area of Hollywood where movie deals are made over $500 lunches. There's Manhattan Beach, where college students both live and commute to nearby colleges or downtown. There are the inner cities where residents live behind barred windows, fighting to survive amidst flying bullets and circling helicopters. don't know why helicopters are deadly. Um, California is a land of haves and have-nots, and this is seen most starkly in the upper-middle-class enclave of Irvine, 45 miles south of Los Angeles. It's like
0: the tale of one city.
3: Mm. Irvine, sometimes called the Land of Oz, Ah. (laughs) is a city known for its seeming perfection, with its pristine, clean streets and manicured lawns. The community is known for its excellent schools, and the average home price in Irvine is $780,000. It's a wealthy area. Kelly Peters was a 49-year-old mother who worked as a volunteer director of the After School Classroom Enrichment Program, also known as ACE. After school, sorry, I said afternoon. After school classroom enrichment. Love that. And what's her name? Kelly Peters. Okay, Kelly.
0: <laughs> so they're saying after school one word there.
3: After school classroom enrichment program at Plaza Vista Elementary School. Described by her friends. <laughs> Plaza
0: Vista. That's so bad.
3: <laughs> Plaza Vista.
0: <laughs> Plaza Vista. That's, that's someone who's uh, really trying to sell it. I'm guessing it was a dump at first. They're like, let's really zhuzh it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's a plaza. It's a vista.
3: It's both. <laughs> just panicked. Described by her friends as an earth mother hippie beach girl who was hardworking and goes with the flow, Kelly had quit her job as a mortgage broker to look after her daughter, Sydney.
0: Classic hippie mother of the earth job <laughs> mortgage broker. I know. Let me just close this deal.
3: <laughs> and then uh, Peace. Uh, Kelly and her husband, Bill, had struggled to fall pregnant. So when they finally did, Kelly's priorities completely narrowed. And although she tried to go back to work when Sydney started preschool, Bill could see how miserable it was making Kelly. So they decided to live off one wage so that Kelly could spend as much time as- with Sydney as possible. Um, although they were living in Irvine, a very wealthy area, Kelly had grown up in a middle-class family from Reno, Nevada, and had moved... Oh, the
4: biggest little city in the world. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's Reno. their tagline. Yeah, right.
3: The biggest little city. Yeah. That's cute as shit. Um, they'd, her family had moved uh, to the San Gabriel Valley in California when she was little. Um, Kelly and Bill weren't one of the rich couples living in the expensive houses. They rented a small apartment, but they liked living in Irvine for the safety and the community and for the good schools for their daughter, Sydney. Nothing particularly interesting happening here just yet.
4: Okay. What's this building towards, Matt?
3: What's
1: she building in
3: there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kelly had started volunteering at Sydney School when Sydney was in kindergarten um, when the teacher had asked if any parents were free to come in and help out. All the kids absolutely loved her, and Kelly loved volunteering and helping out around the school. It wasn't long before she was asked to run for the secretary position in the PTA, which isn't really something we have here, the Parent Teacher Association. Do we? No.
4: I don't know. I don't think so. No. I mean, sometimes there's a school council. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe it's kind Maybe parents and friends from rings a bell? Is that something?
3: I don't know. Is that just when you just hung out with your parents I, and some I, friends?
0: I don't. I don't know. That's just a phrase I remember. I don't know if that's...
3: From films, the PTA seems a bit intense. Also, right. it's kind of funny that you have to run for the position like a political campaign. That's
0: wild. Yeah, that's real weird.
3: Um. So, yeah, she just liked volunteering and people were like, come and join the PTA. And she, she won and she um, got the position as a secretary. She took her role very seriously, um, not that she was serious in nature but because she'd agreed to do a job so she just got it done. She's just that kind of person. She just liked helping. And, of course, the school community loved her. She was involved in everything and always said yes to helping with anything, even agreeing to coach her daughter's soccer team despite not knowing the rules of soccer. Um,
4: LAUGHTER <laughs> uh, just throw it. Just throw it.
3: Apparently another, another mum, because there, no, there was no coach, and so another mum was like, um, why don't you and I just coach it together? And Kelly kind of thought like, well, I mean, she probably knows what she's doing I'll help out. And the, the other mum had the same thought. So they're both like, well, she'll, she'll handle it and, I don't know, I'll get the oranges. But neither of them knew anything. Um, Kelly also helped out with the DARE program, which was Drug Abuse Resistance Education. Um which obviously aimed to educate kids on the dangers of drugs. That might be important.
0: Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a truth or dare thing. Oh uh, I love truth uh. or dare. Yeah. Um truth. <laughs> <laughs>
3: The ACE after-school program that Kelly volunteered at offered classes in cooking, art, um, various sports. Teachers and parents volunteered um, watching the kids during these activities, and Kelly's daughter had taken a real liking to art classes. And in classic Kelly fashion, she just liked being around her daughter. Oh, that
0: is classic Kelly. <laughs> so,
4: Kelly, Gosh, she's just working all the time at this thing.
3: Yeah, she's just she's just very involved this in the thing school community.
0: That I call life.
3: Yeah, Dave.
4: I call it the PTA. <laughs> Open your <laughs> eyes.
3: We call it the PT Open your third
0: line. eye. That's what Christine would do. Squeegee that third eye. Who
4: the
3: fuck is Christine?
4: Kelly.
0: Kelly, damn it.
4: <laughs> She's a hippie mum. Hippie damned to earth mother.
0: Yeah. They, she'd believe in the third eye thing, wouldn't she?
3: Kelly. <laughs> yeah. also, or Christine. Uh,
4: she'd also uh, believe in uh, refinancing your mortgage. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. And she can get you a good deal. <laughs> um, on February 16th, 2011, Kelly was, as usual, overseeing the ACE program. And on this day, she was keeping an eye on the karate class, whose teacher was running late. Why'd you laugh at Ace Program?
4: Did I?
0: <laughs>
3: oh, you think it's something else?
4: No, we just looked at each other like 2011, not that long ago.
3: Yeah, it's fairly recent. What's what's
4: going on? No, it's building towards something. Matt and I like, it's going and on. I'm
0: really nervous about saying anything bad because people eventually hear this on YouTube and like, you were joking about that topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: No, we don't know what it is. I, know. I think she's uh, either going to do something bad, disappear. Some background, something will come out and she's not as squeaky clean. Or She was always, yeah, she was deep undercover. Yeah, or something bad scorer. will happen to her, which is what I'm worried
1: about.
3: Um, well. <laughs> a school, ad- uh, so she was, so the karate teacher is running a bit late. Kelly's just keeping an eye on the class.
4: Right. She doesn't know anything about karate. She's nah. still taking the black belts through their motions. <laughs> she's, she just wings everything. she's nailing it. Yeah. She's throwing soccer balls at him. <laughs>
3: it's crazy. A school administrator came to find Kelly saying a police officer was here to see her. Uh-oh. Kelly's husband Bill was always traveling for work. He was a, a he worked in the wine industry, he was a wine salesman. So he's always traveling, and she had this sinking feeling that something had happened. So she was really worried. So she runs to the front desk of the school, where a police officer named Charles Shaver was waiting for her. Shaver, amazing. Great. Shaver was a forty years old, um, a sniper on the Irvine Police SWAT team, and a former NCIS investigator with the Marines. Oh, holy! A shit, very I- experienced officer really why really? is
0: a sniper coming to meet with I you know.
3: well he might have been like former because he was just kind of d- just doing his job that day just oh. hey
0: just a heads up i'm here to take you out um <laughs> but run. I just, yeah i don't want to make it uh unfair so yeah. anyway when you
4: see a red dot on you run <laughs> run but also don't bother this is a former ncis guy so yeah. he's a real anthony di <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, he assured Kelly that it wasn't about her husband and he asked her to come with him out into the school parking lot. Earlier that day at 1.15pm, a call had been made to the police about someone driving erratically in the school car park. The caller had said, I was calling because uh, my daughter's a student at Plaza Vista Elementary School and uh, I'm concerned one of the parent volunteers may be under uh, the influence or uh, using drugs. I, was, uh, I just had to go over to the school and uh, I saw the car driving very erratically. The caller said he had seen drugs in the car, and he knew the name of the driver, Kelly. He knew the type of car, which was a PT Cruiser, and he even knew the license plate and what was written on the frame, which says, "Only for the Groovy."
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's so specific.
0: That <laughs> is, yeah. The license plate's plenty, mate.
3: Yeah, but also the frame says this, and I saw drugs, and and um... uh,
4: there's only about a quarter of a tank left in the in the, in the, <laughs> the engine, so uh, they'll need to fill up pretty soon. <laughs>
3: You know what those PT cruisers are like? Yeah. They're, real, they're real guzzlers. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> Feel anyway, the me on those, no good. Anyway, I got to go. Uh, love Anonymous. <laughs>
3: <laughs> beep, beep, love Anonymous. She's
0: so, being set up.
3: So as they walked out to Kelly's car, Officer Shaver told her about the call. She said it was impossible. She'd already parked and was inside when the call had been made at 1.15. Okay. He asked if she had anything in the car she shouldn't have, and she said no. He asked if he could search the car, and she said of course. It didn't take him long to find, sticking out of the pouch behind the driver's seat, a bag of marijuana with a pipe in it and two small bags of pills. As he pulled the drugs out and put them on the hood of the car, Kelly begged him to put them away. Her daughter would be out any minute and other parents were looking at them. She said the drugs weren't hers, they must have been planted, and that sometimes she forgot to lock her car. Shaver interviewed staff members and discovered that Kelly had been telling the truth. They confirmed that she had arrived around twelve forty p m meaning the caller caller. Uh, claiming to have seen her at 1.15, was 35 minutes late, a gap in the timeline that he thought was a bit puzzling. He
4: gets another call. Oh, actually, I, I mean, and then it happened about 36 minutes earlier than what I said earlier. Got to go, love Got to anonymous. Got well,
3: love anonymous, bye. <laughs> hey, it's anonymous again. Yeah.
4: The cop's like, uh, I mean? can see you over there. That's- <laughs> no,
3: no, that's not me. Stop pointing at me.
1: <laughs> or him, or them, the end, whoever that is. Who are
3: you, what do you mean? You can see who, where? <laughs> I'm invisible. (laughs) I've gone too far. Okay, bye. (laughs) Um, So he's thinking, that sounds a bit puzzling. He tries to call the number that had reported the erratic driving and it was a fake number. So now this is where the story could have taken a real turn and been over very quickly. Um, There's this amazing LA Times article, which is the main resource that I've used um, for this story, And it says this. It says, Shaver could have arrested Peters. Possessing pot on school grounds was a misdemeanor. Possessing narcotics like Vicodin and Percocet without a prescription was a felony. She could do time. Perhaps if this had been a less experienced cop, Kelly would have been arrested on the spot. But a few things stood out to Shaver. Um, From the article again, it says, In his experience, no one left a bag of pot halfway out of a seat pouch, (laughs) as if begging for it to be discovered. People typically hid their drugs in the glove box or under the car seat. Damn it!
1: <laughs> shut in the glove box.
3: <laughs> and for some reason, he didn't know why, pot smokers didn't typically keep their pipes inside the stash bag itself. The fuck. <laughs> it's like it's so weird because if that was like an inexperienced cop, they'd be like, well, I found drugs, so that's pretty, yeah. that's oh pretty no. shut. But he was like, no, nah, that doesn't add up. Yeah,
4: right. in my experience, this never happens.
3: Yeah, why would it be sitting out like that and why would they put the pipe in the bag?
0: Oh, so she's lucky at this point. She's
3: very lucky. He decided to look into it further, so he asked Kelly if he could search her apartment. She reluctantly agreed, concerned that if someone had planted drugs in her car, then they could have possibly also planted stuff in her house. She didn't know. After a thorough search of the house, Shaver said he was not going to be taking Kelly Peters into the police station. Um, She wasn't totally off the hook yet, and the forensic team would be coming around for DNA samples. If her DNA was found on the drugs found in her car, then she'd be arrested. He asked Kelly, if the drugs aren't yours, then how did they get in your car? And Kelly replied, I have an enemy.
0: Ooh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I wonder, like, it feels like even if her DNA is on there, it was in her car. Her DNA is going to be in the car. Yeah. Odds are her DNA would be on those
4: just from being in her yeah, car. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't have, like, saliva sure. inside the yeah. pipe fingerprints or. or yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: Yep. Yeah. So, exactly one year earlier to the day. Kelly was rounding up all the kids after a tennis class as part of her duties as the volunteer director of this ACE after-school program. Every day she'd lead the kids in through the back door of the building to meet their parents who who were waiting out the front. After the kids had been collected, she went to the cooking class, which always ran later than the other classes, and chatted to some of the kids about what they were cooking. She'd sample the food, she'd pretend it was amazing, <laughs> even if it wasn't good. She'd be like, "Yeah, I didn't go to the like, bathroom." We did it. Yeah.
1: Oh, gotta oh, get it, Watch out. it
3: out. Oh my god! Do you call that salt?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Do you call that salt?
3: The kids were making salt. Okay. Bath salts. It was a drug lab.
4: Did I ever tell you when I did our uh, food tech, which is what we called the cooking class when I was in? year eight. I um I was a terrible chef, still am. Um got to an end of a thing when I realised I hadn't cooked the bacon. Oh, it was m- meant no. to be like a, a bread thing with like bacon and then tomato and stuff on the top of it. So I just Hid the raw bacon and put the tomato over the top of it. I just put it in there, so they
0: would uh, eat raw bacon. Oh
4: no! So the te- no one had to eat it. The teachers had to assess what it looks like because you right. couldn't eat twenty four different yeah. meals. Yeah, of course,
0: it's not what the know. Great Australian Bake Off. Yeah, you know oh, this bacon has <laughs> got a magnificent crunch. It's
4: <laughs> so crunchy. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, got a good mark, and then at the end, everyone's eating them. They're like, "Why aren't you eating yours?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm just going to put mine in the bin."
3: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> I haven't cooked
4: it. Were you busted? No,
3: you no, got, never. No, no. right, no. Mark. D- Didn't
4: notice not
0: it until was- now.
4: <laughs> yeah. No, Mrs. Fielding! (laughs) We've got Mrs. Fielding. She's just outside this door. Oh, no. She was stern then. She's even sterner now. This whole podcast
3: has been an elaborate ruse to catch you in that lie. I
4: do have an enemy. She knew. Who's the enemy? We're about to find out. It's the same one as uh, Kelly. Oh, wow.
3: Okay. That's probably not one that you want to have, actually. I'm on her side. So, yeah, she would go collect the kids, take them... um, Out to the front of the building. Um, So while she's just hanging out in the cooking class, another volunteer came to find her, saying that a parent needed to talk to her, which wasn't out of the ordinary. So she's like, yep, cool. So she goes back out to the front doors to find a woman pacing anxiously. This woman was Jill Easter, whose six-year-old Starton, who we will call Leighton, was standing next to her. Did you choose that name? I did not.
0: Why are we calling him that? Is that
4: his name? Uh,
3: It's in the um, book that Kelly has written. Um. Co-written. Uh, they refer to him as Layton. So, okay. so she used that, that name to
4: punish me. the child. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> she hates him so much she called him Layton. The <laughs> child
3: <laughs> is not to be blamed. Um, so, yeah, she's standing there with her son, who's a six. Um, she said her son had been left outside briefly, waiting at the locked back door for someone to let him in. The tennis coach had found him and walked him to the front desk. Um, Jill said her son seemed upset and demanded, it, demanded to know what had happened. Kelly noticed Layton didn't appear to be upset at all but was understanding about Jill's concern for her son. So she said she didn't know exactly why, but she explained that sometimes the kids like to stay back and help pack up. and Perhaps that's what had happened and uh, and why the tennis coach had led late into, into the building afterwards. Initially, Jill seemed satisfied with that answer and said, yep, that's fine, no problem. I'm not accusing you of anything. I just wanted to know what happened. And Kelly was like, okay, well.
4: well no one thought you are accusing me of anything because that would yeah. be weird.
0: Yeah,
3: that's a strange accusation.
0: Something maybe an enemy might do.
1: Hmm. So
3: Jill left and went back to the cooking class only to be interrupted. Kelly went back to the cooking class only to be interrupted again by the volunteer saying Jill was back. This happened a couple of times, sort of back and forth. This time Jill said, I'm having a problem with why Leighton was brought up by the tennis coach. And she kept making comments like this, eventually insinuating that the tennis coach had been inappropriate with her son. It's no base, uh, this is a baseless claim but she's and she's fixated on it. Um, She said her son had been standing outside alone, crying for 20 minutes. Kelly explained that that didn't sound right. Class ended at 2.30. Kelly waited for the kids to line up until 2.35, and the tennis coach has to leave by 2.40 to get to his next class on time, so Leighton could have only been waiting for maybe five minutes. Kelly explained that the the boy had been slow to line up, um, that he tended to take his time, um, and it wasn't unusual. A lot of the kids were sort of pretty casual about it. This conversation went on for ages, and when Kelly finally walked away from Jill, she heard Jill say, how do you sleep at night? And then yell, I'll get you.
0: Wait, what's happening? (laughs) Jill, what are you talking about? (laughs) Wait, I'm so confused now. So why, feels like she's...
4: Isn't her beef with the tennis coach?
0: Yeah, but now because Kelly's not taking, not doing anything about it. Yeah. And Kelly should because she's in the PTA.
3: And she's, like, the volunteer director of this um, after-school program. Wow. So she's, she's saying. She's going to get her for this. Oh, yeah. That's escalated How do you sleep quickly? at night? I'll get you.
0: Yeah, right. But
3: the kid, this whole time, not upset.
0: So he's late and he's a tennis player. That's why they've called him Leighton. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The greatest Australian tennis player, Leighton. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that the only, that's the only Leighton I've ever come across. Little Leighton. It's a great name. Little Leighton. <laughs> little Leighton. Yeah. Only with Little at the top. Yeah. yeah it's his rapper Layton. name. Layton. Little Lates. Layton. It seems weirder the more you say it. <laughs> no, <laughs> Layton. 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 And for some
4: reason, there's a double L there. Yeah. Layton. Lala Layton.
3: Lola Layton.
4: Lala <laughs> Layton. 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 Layton.
3: So a little bit about uh, this woman, Jill Easter. Jill oh. was an attorney, a graduate of Berkeley Law, a fact she displayed on her car license plate.
4: Because that's pretty hot. That's a prestigious place, yeah, right, yeah, Berkeley, yeah. right? And is. Jill—that's her real name.
3: Uh, yes. Because I
4: don't want to—I I don't want talk too disparagingly about this lady in case she destroys my life as well.
3: Exactly. Yeah. No. There's going to be a lot of alleged loose through this because she definitely does feel like someone who would go after you.
1: Anyway.
0: litigious.
4: <laughs>
0: allegedly. Allegedly, yes.
3: Um, so Jill had quit her, um, her practice to become a stay-at-home mum in Irvine and by appearances, her daily routine was unexceptional. playdates at the community pool, sushi with girlfriends, hair salon, Starbucks yoga. Holy wow. shit.
0: She sounds like, apart from Starbucks being ordinary coffee, that sounds like a great... Such a good day. That sounds like a montage of someone having fun. I also don't know why Starbucks is bad coffee, but I, I know that I should say that it is because I've had one and it was fine, <laughs> but people say it's awful. And I don't want to sound like a like i you've told me it's bad.
3: Don't top me in. But yeah, it's pretty shit. But yeah. also we're Melbourne fucking snobs.
4: What, you said we there.
3: I'm a Melbourne snob.
4: Thank you. I don't drink the filthy, filthy stuff. I'm not a slave to the bean.
3: <laughs> I, for one, bow down to my bean overlords.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I haven't had a, I haven't had a. Uh, bean juice in a little while.
0: Why <laughs> really? Not? You're, you're Why not? Why not?
3: Why would you deprive yourself of the best thing that I, happens in my day? I just need
0: to find the right time to have it to morning. to harness that power.
4: Yeah, it's morning, not the, that's the usual time. Yeah, but I just
0: uh, I haven't never get around to doing it at the
4: you know. I don't... You have so little energy, you can't even get the yeah. the extra energy. I think you need the coffee. Oh. <laughs> uh. Have a coffee, then you'll have energy to get a coffee. Okay. Two coffees. Yes. Two coffees, please.
3: Don't you know how I do it? <laughs> Two coffees. Um, her husband, his name was Kent, worked a 60-hour work week as a partner in one of Orange County's <laughs> biggest law firms.
0: Okay. This is Jill and Kent? Jill and Kent. Jill and Kent. Easter. Power couple.
3: Um, the day after the confrontation, as well, as we'll call it, Jill Easter complained that her son had been crying hysterically after being locked out of the school building for 19 minutes. She wanted Kelly gone. Um so this is what uh, Jill wrote to the school official she said she told me that she blames my son because he's slow and often gets left behind because it's hard it's hard to wait for him. For the record, my son is very intelligent, mature and athletic, and has successfully participated in many ace classes. He's receiving good grades and has earned many awards this year. He's not mentally or physically slow by any standard.
4: Oh, dear.
0: But the way you told it before, Kelly wasn't saying that he was slow. He was just like mucking
4: around, you and know, like being a kid. Every- and she said it was other kids too. It's like, oh, it's not just this kid slow. This is a common thing for a six-year-old.
3: Yep. Her own daughter does it sometimes, dawdles. Or, right. yeah, they stay back and help pack up. And So the district ace director, in her own reports of the incident, wrote that she'd interviewed the coach as well as the easters and concluded that nothing happened to the boy who had been left outside for closer to five to eight minutes. But Jill wasn't having it.
0: Still a weird amount of time for a kid to be left outside, maybe.
3: Yeah, but... I mean, you'd think they'd have security cameras or something and could. Yeah,
0: could figure that out. Yeah.
3: So the very next day, Jill's outside the school handing out flyers demanding Kelly Peters removed from the ACE program and the school community.
0: Is this her full time job, Kelly?
3: Oh, she's a volunteer.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. I, I should lose this volunteer <laughs> position.
3: Yeah. Oh really loved it. She loves oh, it, though. It's,
0: yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame because it's like, oh, the, she's going to make it hell. You can feel that's coming.
3: Yeah. Oh, you can. And she does. Um, Jill complained to the principal, to school officials, the police. Every time she didn't get the answer she wanted, she just went to someone else and demanded action. She stopped handing out the flyers and just started hanging around the school at pick-up time talking to other
0: parents.
4: <laughs> she's a creep. Yeah. She's the creepy one. No, it's... it's Allegedly. If this story is true, that's what I'm saying. If these facts are true, then that is a creepy person. Right. Talking to parents. No, someone who if you're constantly hanging out, handing out posters, like always outside the school. Yeah, that's
3: that's that's strange behaviour. Yeah, it is strange behaviour. But now she's also adding to her story, saying that Kelly had purposefully locked her son out of the building and later dragged him outside, bloodying his knuckles.
0: Oh, drag! What? How do? How's that happen? Dragged him by the feet.
3: Yeah, somehow. She demanded that the Irvine police look into it. They did. There had been no crime. She requested a restraining order claiming that Kelly was harassing and stalking myself and my six-year-old son and had threatened to kill her. The court threw it out. While many people, including all authorities, believed Kelly was innocent, she still had to deal with the negative attention she was receiving around the school. She'd walk through the hallways and get looks from other parents she even noticed a drop in enrolments in the after-school program. It <sighs> ruined the reputation of the of the school program, which well, was just teaching kids art and sport. And...
0: Oh, this is a real downer.
3: This went on for at least six months. Then. Jill's husband, Kent, filed a civil, su- a civil suit against Kelly Peters, claiming his son had been victim of false imprisonment and intentional infliction of emotional distress. He'd suffered extreme and severe mental anguish and, and uh, the acts of the defendant, Peters, alleged, alleged above, were willful, wanton, malicious and oppressive and justify the award of exemplary and punitive damages." The Easters eventually dropped the suit, and as a result of their complaints, the school required a headcount before children were released from the after-school program. So the school changed a few of their procedures. That That
4: sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Something's going to come from this. Yeah.
3: The Easters got a refund on their ACE tuition, so those after-school programs got a refund on it. Otherwise, the power couple kind of lost. The school stood by Kelly, and in early 2011, she was elected president of the PTA. it seemed like it was all behind them and Kelly was able to get on with things normally. However, in her book, Kelly talks about meeting a woman at, a, at the park while she was out walking her dog and the woman said she's a dog sitter and gave her her card saying that um, she could come look after, oh no. after the dog at Kelly's apartment. And when she ran into the same woman a few days later, Kelly freaked out, called the police, it later transpired that the woman was a private detective hired by the Easter's to get information, which is why she was so persistent about getting into Kelly's house.
4: Oh. So, why did but Kelly freak just... out when she saw her?
3: She saw her. She'd seen her a couple of times. Like she, she met her the first time and and was like, she was a bit full on. And then saw her a couple of days later, and she was like, "Hi, remember me?" Like she's oh, just
4: really trying. Right, right,
0: right. So it Not just... very good at being a, the private part of the. Yeah, private, she wasn't. Is she, she wearing a title. different outfit?
4: <laughs> Hi, safe. yeah, I'm just a donut salesman. Would you like to buy one of my <laughs> fantastic donuts? I, do. D- I can donuts door. from your house. Yeah, fantastic. And um, where do you live? Yeah, what, what's your address? Mm. And Where's your it? Just name. give me a spare key, and yeah. uh, I'll just drop the donuts around right now. Yeah, I could just put
0: them right in your oven and, or wherever uh, you yeah.
4: keep donuts. If I was to hide drugs in your house, where would I do it?
0: I've said too much.
4: What? Sorry. Sorry. What? Sorry. What? Oh, I've got to go. Donuts are in my oven. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It on. I just remembered the donuts are in my oven. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what? I mean, so you've got most of this story you've got from the Kelly's book.
3: I read Kelly's book and also an article. Uh, you can barely even call it an article. It's this enormous, amazing piece um, for the LA Times written by um, Christopher Goffard, and I'll link it. It's
0: amazing. I wonder. I wonder. Is there a Jill version the, of events? Yeah,
4: because. He- it sounds like either Jill is absolutely overreacting over nothing, or maybe something did happen. I don't know why. Why else would you behave like this? Mm. It's so confusing. Jill and it's
0: it sounds like one of those daytime um, yes suspense sort of things where someone's slowly trying to take, and then they try and replace you or something. Yeah, you know those those they're normally low budget, but and just a hard watch. Yep. Because they make you feel anxious the whole way through mm. on purpose.
3: I'm sorry if that, you're having a similar feeling with this. No,
4: I mean I'm absolutely wrapped in this story. Yes,
0: yeah, but... so I'm. This is very different because the production values are much higher.
3: In this. In this. Thank yeah. you so much. And the
0: acting is way better.
3: Thank you. I'm doing the voices. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> Can we start calling Jill and what's her husband's name? Kent. Can we start calling Jill and Kent Easter, Easter and Keister? <laughs> <laughs>
3: absolutely. <laughs> Thank
0: yes. You. <laughs>
3: oh man i don't think i've ever loved you more
4: <laughs> great to see you keister please stop calling me, stop keister. Calling me that. no worries keister
3: <sighs> so anyway so uh this brings us back to the drugs in her car which was a year after the first time uh like that big confrontation That's and so what,
0: it's such an embarrassing attempt at to- Planning drugs because then a cop was just like, Well, this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, no, <laughs> he comes like, Oh, don't worry about this. Okay. Oh,
3: this is embarrassing. I'm so sorry I've wasted your time,
0: Kelly. It's clearly like the people putting the drugs in aren't, they don't know drugs either. Yeah. So they just didn't know what to do. It's sort of, it's almost adorable, but. Also, like so full on, so and so yeah. they
4: describe the guy. Yeah, the car. Um, it's also got a bumper sticker that says "drug
0: user." <laughs> Don't know what that means. Isn't that wild. So that would like that was someone they've in on, in on it with them. Well, I know. And they just got the timing wrong. Maybe if they got that timing right, it would have been and quite, quite it, so but, easy but to explain. She,
4: if it is her and her husband, who are both high-powered lawyers, have they not come across proper crime before? Yeah, it sounds like someone who runs. She's a very like uptight. Uh, like, I don't know, a very religious person who had, doesn't have any knowledge of the criminal world whatsoever. Right. Like, oh, yes, people use drugs. <laughs> oh, a drug pipe. Put the drug pipe in with the drugs. pills and marijuana,
0: <laughs> yeah. classic combo. Yeah. Why? But why... I just don't understand why they've become so obsessed with it.
3: Yeah, a great question.
0: So they're, obviously they're thinking this Kelly person is the devil in their minds to make them act like this. Mm. So it feels like they've sort of... Either, yeah, the way... You understand it as different, or they've sort of their grip on what has actually happened is shifted off into fantasy land a
1: little yeah. bit. Yeah,
3: and it, it could be a bit of column A, a bit of co- probably mostly column B. Um, so it brings us back to the the drugs in the car. So, uh, Detective Mark Andriozzi was looking into the case of the drugs being found in this woman's car. To him, Kelly seemed genuinely frightened and doubted that she was guilty. Um, from that L.A. Times article again, it says she could. She she couldn't be positive that the Easter's were behind the drugs in her car. She told police there was another possibility, a 43-year-old dad who lived across the street from the school and had a reputation for bizarre behaviour. Police knew him well. They'd responded to complaints about him wandering onto campus without permission, ranting at school staff, heckling the crossing guard and videotaping the crosswalk as kids moved through it. At least once... He'd shown up in a Batman costume, masked and caped, to pick up his son. So it's also just oh. an embarrassing dad.
0: <laughs> the biggest crime of all. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, why
3: are you in a Batman costume?
0: Depending on the age of the kids, maybe they'd be like, this is sick. Yeah. Oh, your dad's Batman.
3: Yeah, it would be so sick and then so mortifying. quickly, oh. one summer
0: holidays goes by. So
1: quick. <laughs> How I'll was your rubber. hero
3: last year? Yeah.
0: No, And Dan. now they're getting eggs thrown. From. <laughs> He
3: made parents nervous. Peters had felt sorry for him. Kelly felt sorry for him. But now she recalled how he'd wanted her PTA job, how he'd even asked her for copies of the bylaws. Maybe he'd studied them and knew that drug possession would disqualify her from her position. He would, like, usurp her as he, the new PTA she king. She's got
0: potentially two enemies. This person who sounds like she's very lovely and couldn't do she's volunteer. I mean, it's a volunteer job. I know. Who's fighting so hard for that? That's so, I'm so weird. I'm like not such a piece of shit. <laughs> Why are you doing something for no money? You
3: As soon as someone made the job a little bit hard, you were like, okay, I'll go, bye. Oh, great. I, just, I don't
0: want to do this wrong. Fine, fine, fine.
3: Fine, 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 bye.
0: No, that's true. And I forget that, you know, I I do plenty of things that don't get paid that I'm passionate about. So obviously I I get it, but it just sort of feels like now that I know that something bad enough has happened that you're telling me about it on a podcast, mm. which is, you know, the sign that something's gone down. <laughs> it was being talked about on a podcast. Yeah, that just makes me think. It. I don't think this job is worth it.
4: No. But who in their right mind thinks they're going to get elected to the PTA after they've been? Then people know they film kids on a crosswalk. How does he get away with that?
3: I've no idea. So he lives across the road. There's
4: No way you're being elected, mate. Yeah. No who, way.
3: Who knows what he? What his intentions were? Yeah. But regardless, it.
0: It's not a good look.
3: No, and also you should have just that tiny little bit, you should have just a little bit of self-awareness to go, oh, that seems a bit weird, I'm assuming
0: it? it's, it's him filming his kid crossing Probably, over. probably. But, but then, like to all the other parents and in amongst their kids, that, they'd be like, this
4: is weird, bro.
3: Yeah, totally. Guys,
4: I'm just filming a scene for my new Batman film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I
3: want to be PTA. In my
4: King. mind, he's constantly dressed as Batman.
3: Yeah. Imagine Batman on the toilet. That'd be a real nightmare. <laughs> oh. Is it pants or is it all one suit? It's all one. How do you get out of it? Oh,
4: he, surely he's got like a little flap. Do you ever
0: see his legs? Yeah. Y- yeah. What do you well, mean? I can't do we see his, his legs? Rubber- picture picture got, like, the rubbery flap.
4: Yeah. I reckon he's got a flap. Yeah, like a little John's. flap. Poop, flap. <laughs> Poop shoot. <laughs> <Ooh>.
0: <laughs> He'd probably have a high-tech gizmo that would just like turn it into gold or something. Yeah,
3: probably. <laughs> that's how he's so rich.
0: Yeah, turns his shit to gold.
3: <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the cops were well aware of this guy because there they'd been sort of complaints about him in the past. The um the code for uh So, okay. Cops had an informal phrase for such people who did not quite meet the requirements of a 5150. The code for an involuntary psychic uh, psychiatric hold. They are 51 to 49 and a half. <laughs> vexing but hard to do anything about. So it's like he's right. not
4: quite... He's an oddball, but you can't lock him up. Exactly.
0: If he was rich, you'd call him... Eccentric. Eccentric. I'm blanking on that. You'd call up. him
4: Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right.
3: At the police yeah. department, though, some cops thought, well, it's got to be him. It's probably this guy. Right. He's up to something. Um, play uh played the call that um, that had been made to the police... When the dispatcher asked for his name, the caller had said VJ Chandraskis and spelled it out. It's spelt C H A N D R A S C H H C K H R.
4: C K H R So no vowel yeah. between the last okay. letters.
3: No, and they'd spelled it out that way. The caller had claimed to have a daughter at Plaza Vista, but the school had nobody by that name, probably because it's a made-up name. Um... He listened to it again and again, he's listening to this call, and he noticed that the caller stuttered nervously and volunteered more information than a typical caller did as if it was following a script. He also noticed that while the caller started off speaking in standard American English, he inexplicably acquired an Indian accent midway through the conversation. Oh, <laughs> no,
1: no, no. <laughs> You were halfway through.
3: A faint, half-hearted one. He starts
4: panning himself into a corner.
3: As if he suddenly decided that the name he'd given required an accent. Yeah, he's
4: like, oh, my God, I'm about to tell them my name is VK, whatever that was. Oh. VJ, VJ
3: Chandra Chand I
4: like the name Vijay. It was one of my favourite golfers
0: as a kid. Vijay Singh. Remember him? Vijay golfer. Yeah.
3: And this guy's decided that if your name is Vijay, you have to have an Indian accent. Right. So he's sort of gone into that for some reason. Oh, my God. Some of his uh, his colleagues at the police uh, believed that it was um, that Batman. They believed it was Batman trying to disguise his voice. (laughs) I
4: thought it was Hank Azaria. (laughs) There was yeah,
0: in the background of the the call, they could hear um, bats Mm. flapping about. (laughs) I thought hmm. And uh, and Michael Caine saying, "Your dinner, master wife."
3: (laughs) Oh, sorry, I didn't see you were on the phone. (laughs) I'll leave it over here, Master <laughs> Wayne. Alfred, piss off, piss off, piss off. <laughs> oh, it's me, VJ. It's me, Jay. <laughs> um, So they traced the call as well, and it had been placed from a wall-mounted phone in the ground floor business office at the Island Hotel, which is uh, an elegant high-rise resort in Newport Beach.
4: And is that a long way away? Um, so like, they're saying, I just saw this. It's clearly, uh... one, the car was parked, and two, that they weren't in the car park.
3: Yeah, I mean, the call, it's, the call was definitely bogus by this point. Yeah. Because they're not even in the car park. They're not in the vicinity.
4: But right. it's at a wealthy hotel.
3: Yes. The business office at a hotel.
4: Oh. Does Batman work there?
3: <laughs> Detective Matt McLaughlin, amazing name, went to the hotel basement to study surveillance footage. On the screen, people moved in and out of the lobby. He was looking for the, they're calling him the PTA rival. So they're looking for Batman, who was a five foot 8 Asian man in his early 40s. There was no sign of him. There was, however, a tall, lanky figure he didn't recognise, a man in a dark suit who walked calmly towards the business centre just before the call.
0: Dark suit with a helmet? <laughs> with a yeah, mask? They have a, have a little cow. ears?
3: Batman! When shown the footage, the school principal said, hmm, it looks like Kent Easter. Keister. Uh,
4: Keister. We gotcha. Gotcha Keister. gotcha, Keister. So Keister's a tall man? Mr. Keister.
3: So um, Andriozzi Andriotzi, the detective, began following the Easter's, learning their habits.
4: Asking them, uh, do you have any dogs? you need <laughs> more? <cooked> or...
3: <laughs> or donuts you need baked? Yeah, or, what's just, up? No. Can I come to your house? I'm a handyman.
4: <laughs> what <laughs> what do you mar- need? I'll Why am I wearing a police uniform? Don't ask questions.
3: Don't worry about it. That's none of your business. They learnt that Keister's office was just a few hundred metres from the island hotel. They discovered that the couple's home um, in Irvine was about a mile from Kelly's apartment. They discovered that Keister carried a blackberry and his wife Jill Jill Geister
1: Geister? Yeah. G-ster um,
3: and had an iPhone and that between two thirty seven A. M. and four twenty one AM On Feb 16th, early of the day the drugs turned up in Kelly's car, those two phones had exchanged 15 text messages between 2:37 and 4:21 a.m.
0: I'm like, well, husband and wife are probably, you know, that could be pretty normal, but yeah, that's pretty late. Uh,
3: 15 texts. I'm sending that within 15 minutes.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Most of them. Where are you? Where are you? Who is
1: she? Who is she?
3: That's between nine a.m. and ten a.m. <laughs> and he goes, "I'm at work." I said, "Oh yes, yeah, sorry, sorry.
1: Ah, Have a great yes. day. See you later." Thank you. Bye, see bye, you bye, later. bye, bye, bye. bye,
3: bye. bye, bye, bye. At one o'clock. I'm like, "Where are you? <laughs> Who is she?" No, Jess, I'm still at work. I okay, see. Okay, yes. bye, 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 what bye, time do you bye. finish, just so I can stop doing this? <laughs> five. Right. Okay. Right. Okay.
0: Oh, you work all day.
3: Is that? And you do that? How many days a week? Five. Five days. That feels high. That I'm sounds
4: five. like what a way to That sounds like he's having an affair.
3: Yeah, he must be.
4: 501. <laughs> How do I
3: Where are do know? It takes a while to get home, Jess. <laughs> anyway, I'm very confused by this whole work thing. So but these it,
4: people, the Keysters, the Easters, are messing with each other at a very late hour.
3: And also, I mean, you're married, you live together. Why are you texting each other on a Tuesday, a Wednesday it's like, or something like Can you that turn
4: time? off the light? No, you turn it off. <laughs> no, you turn it off. Yeah, things I'm are not getting out.
3: Things are not good at home. <laughs> Um, so, the iPhone had been pinging off the cell, t- cell phone tower nearest to Easter's home, but the Blackberry was pinging off a different tower, the one closest to Kelly's apartment complex, where her PT Cruiser had been parked in the outdoor lot. So, Keister's phone is pinging off towers near Kelly's house.
0: And they were trying to make it seem like Kelly was pinging off something.
3: Else. <laughs> <laughs> Over several weeks of following the couple and getting to know their habits, investigators were ready to pounce. Uh, Androzzi and his team had debated how to get Keith to talk. They had to get him alone away from his colleagues, and they would be foolish to underestimate his intelligence. But they thought that a man accustomed to winning with his brain might be undone by his faith in its powers. Oh, how good is that line? Great. He's like he's just like he's so confident <laughs> that he will outsmart anyone.
0: But also we at this point think he's the guy who changed his accent midway through the <laughs> call. <Cool. laughs> this guy's used to winning with his brain.
3: <laughs> but also, he did a bad accent. Allegedly. He panicked. So they, they'd come on gently and they were playing dumb, these police officers that were chatting to him. Um, they, they decided he didn't know what they knew, so they were just going to play it dumb. They, um, they follow him to work, and as he gets out of the car, they approach and ask a few casual questions. They ask, is he aware of anything that's happened recently at Plaza Vista Elementary? Um, he said his family had some issues last year, but it was all in the past. They'd all moved on, bygones be bygones. It was fine. Um, well, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's it. Um, so thanks for... <laughs> <laughs> Detective Wayne Brennan told Keister he'd been following him and he'd seen him coming out of the dry cleaners. I don't know why that was necessary, but he says, this is such a good line. So there's recordings of all this as well, and in the LA Times article there's like snippets of a lot of the recordings. Um, and Wayne Brennan says, you got to ask yourself, as an educated man, why in the heck would I be following you around? Because that's all I do. I work in criminal investigations. All I do is follow people around. I learn their little habits. So you've got to start asking yourself, why are we standing in front of you talking to you?
4: Whoa, that would have... I'd be like, oh... Uh-huh. Oh, admit to whatever you want. Yeah. Didn't you say they were going to come on softly? They're well, they, they, on they real started hard
3: soft and now they're like, we got you, little boy. Um, so they told him to think back about two and a half weeks ago. Was there any reason he would have been out in the small hours of the morning? And he goes, oh, well, now and then I, I, we, I go out for diapers if we run out of diapers. But um, most likely, nah, I would have been in bed. So,
4: <laughs> go out for diapers if I'm hungry. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. It's all coming undone.
3: Um."
4: Go out for diapers.
3: At 2 o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah. Oh, Just know. let the kid Late shit itself snack.
3: and learn a lesson. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's how kids learn. What a brutal time of night to find out as well. Yeah, it oh. sucks. Well, you go to the local diapery. There's probably a 24-hour diapery around the corner.
4: Come on. Yeah, right near Kelly's house. I mean, oh, uh,
3: uh, I mean, who's that? Who's Kelly? So Kista was looking pretty nervous now, and when he was nervous, he did what the caller had done. He began to stutter.
2: Ah. Hmm. Oh, so you start doing Indian soft Indian accent, <laughs> <the> Indian
3: accent. <laughs> <laughs> a half-hearted one.
4: Oh, which sounds something like this. No,
3: <laughs> these detectives sound like total badass cowboys. By the way, they that, are like
4: that line is. You got to ask yourself. I know, of.
3: and they keep saying stuff like that. I've got another one here too. So they're really sus on this guy, and they know he ha- they know that they have him trapped. Um, and they say, "Big brother's always watching." We're absolutely not the smartest guys in the shed, okay? But we can follow the dots from one from one to the next to the next. They knew, they said, that Keister's phone had been pinging in the middle of the night near P- um, Kelly's apartment and if there was DNA on the drugs in Kelly's car, they'd find it. And this guy Wayne Brannan says again, I'd hope and pray for your sake that there's a big light going off, big bells going off. Knowing what I just told you, is there anything that you'd like to add to your statement to me, whether retracting or adding anything to your statement? And Keister says, I'd like to get a lawyer. And Brennan goes, that's the big boy answer. <laughs> <laughs> he's so patronising and I love it. Anyway.
0: That's the big boy answer. He is a
4: lawyer. I though. am a lawyer.
3: Yeah, I want to get another lawyer. So they searched his car and they found some diet pills. I think you said
4: diapers. Damn it.
3: <laughs> Damn, he's right. Bought at 2 a.m. There's <laughs> a receipt. There. So they found some diet pills and they were in a miniature plastic baggie. The label said easy dose pill pill.
2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is brought to you
3: by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Pouch. Exactly the same as the one found in Kelly's car. How is he so sloppy? Allegedly. Sloppy, allegedly. At the same time as these detectives were searching uh, Kent's car, Keister's car, other officers had arrived at the family home where Geister was to search the house as well. Neither of the Easter's were arrested that day. The evidence seized included the couple's smartphones and detectives believed their contents might clinch the case. But the phones were soon locked up inside the chambers of an Orange County judge where they would languish as legal argument raged. Um, I'll explain more about that. So Keister's firm wanted his BlackBerry back because it held sensitive client information and the Easter's criminal defense attorney wanted evidence on both phones kept from police, citing attorney-client and spousal privileges. It was complicated enough to bring a case against two attorneys, even more so when they're married to each other. So they've got their phones, which probably have so much evidence in it, but they, uh, they have to fight to be able to access it. Then another detail emerged, literally walking down the street. Detectives were sitting in an unmarked car waiting to approach the Easter house when a man came strolling up the block and spotted them. He he took off, holding a phone to his ear. Jill Easter emerged from her house in a negligee, then noticed the cops herself and hurried back inside. Police stopped the man as he pulled away in his pickup truck. His name was Glenn Gomez. He drove a fire engine for the Los Angeles Fire Department Station house, 50 miles north. He was in town to see Jill, who he'd been having an affair with for two and a half years.
0: Holy what? shit. What? Jill. Geista <laughs> <G-ster>. The Jeeester.
3: <laughs> now, Glenn's phone records proved that he wasn't in the area or involved in the in the drug plant, so the police enlisted him to help and got him to wear a wire. What? Well,
0: but he's Why? done nothing wrong. Why is Jeeester and Kesa who are, well, I mean, at least Geista, she's up to stuff. Why is she bringing this attention to herself by, <laughs> it's by doing the planting of the drugs? It seems so silly, or even making a big deal about any of it. And why is the guy with the why,
4: Why is he agreed to wear a, That's, a great He's question. done nothing wrong.
0: Well, I guess he, he he's a fiery, right? Maybe some sort of a.
4: Well, I mean, he didn't. And he's
0: all, he, maybe he's like he feels like he's been busted doing something. I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe he's feeling guilty, and he's. Some people
4: just like to help the cops. Some people like to wear wires. I'm wearing one right now. Oh, this is a microphone.
3: (laughs) So Glenn goes and meets Jill um, in a park near her house and he asks her pretty loose questions about why police were looking into her. He said, it's probably not a smart thing for us to be, like, talking right now because of what's going on and stuff. And Jill accused him of abandoning her. She says, I thought that if I ever had some trouble in my life or sadness that I would have someone to stand beside me, and I don't. It's a hard lesson to learn. I mean, you're married.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What sure. do you
3: mean? You thought you'd have? Se- yeah, your husband, Keister, Keister, a guy who's
4: willing to allegedly, at this stage, what it looks like, plant drugs to take out your enemy. Yeah. Why?
0: And did, why is he trying to cool it with her if he's wearing a wire to get more info? Well,
4: it.
3: Well, the way Oh, that's
0: the- he's playing it. Planet was smart. There.
3: No, no, no. Well, I guess so. But, like, he was also, um, earlier parts of the conversation, he was kind of like like 99.99%. I think I know who you are, but this is sort of making me doubt that.
1: Right. So I think
3: there's actually a genuine part in him that's like, what is going on here? Like, right. is this revealing something to me about you, this person I've been having an affair with for two and a half years and I thought I loved, but am I, am I wrong? Like, is there something that you're hiding? So it's, it, it feels perhaps relatively genuine from him.
0: Right. But why, so why do you agree to wear a wire and then yep, that's a and great, stop talking to her? It's a great question.
3: Anyway, so then um, uh, she claims that she doesn't know why the police are investigating her. And when he said, well, if you haven't done anything wrong, then you should be fine. She gets really, really angry. Again, this recording is on the LA Times um, article. Um, and you can hear her. She she gets angry. She says, "I'm not going to be fine. Do you understand me? Don't just put your head in the sand. This is the moment. This is when I needed someone, and you turned your back on me. And I will not survive this." Very dramatic.
0: Whoa. But she's saying I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah,
3: but, but it's going to destroy me.
0: Okay. Refusing.
3: Yep. So soon after the conversation in the park, um, Glenn, the firefighter, told police they'd broken up, and she went crazy allegedly. It's his words. She showed up at his Long Beach home and told his wife about the affair, brandishing emails and photos. And she detailed the affair in a letter to the dance studio where his wife worked. Um, and it was, in his words, cleverly written in third person, as if it was a close friend of Jill's who was writing it.
4: She is wacko. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know what words you were. I had a feeling of the, uh, the vibe. That you were going to say, but I didn't know what word. And that was fun.
0: So, why she written it about in the third person? Can you explain that to me?
3: Uh, as if... So, she was sort of pretending to be somebody else, I think.
0: Who's breaking the... Affi- what, like, Oh, well, uh, I, I just
3: wanted to let you know that... That Jill's
0: having an affair? With, or she's trying to protect... She sent
3: it to his wife's yeah. work, saying, like, your husband's having an affair with this woman.
0: So, she's uh, outing herself.
3: Well, she turned up at the house... And showed the wife emails and stuff.
0: That's strange. So I don't, I don't fully understand so why. So why send the letter, third, too? Yeah. And the third person thing no, seems strange.
3: It doesn't make sense. It does not make sense. In March of 2011, Police Detective Mark Andreozzi Andrew called Kelly Peters um, and said the department now had strong evidence that the drugs had been planted, as she had insisted all along. Um, they didn't want to tell Kelly too much for fear that info could get out and somehow the Easters would find a way to stop it. Um, but what they had found was that Jill Easter's DNA was on the pot pipe and the Vicodin pills, though not on the Percocet. Kent Easter's DNA was on all of it.
4: Oh, Kent. <laughs> Kent. Does Kent. he know
0: about Jester's affair? Uh, uh,
3: not sure at this
0: stage. Right. Interesting.
3: Unfortunately, though, police had to jump through a lot of hoops in order to be able to look into any of the couple's phone history, like I mentioned before. Um so a separate entity was brought in to sift through and remove anything that fell under client attorney confidentiality which took an insanely long time like a year. So a year passes, the police investigation including the embarrassing search of his office had not harmed Kent Easter's career. In fact, his firm had named him an equity partner, um cutting him into a share of the
4: profits. What are
3: you doing? So that so the like so many police officers came to the came to his office like it was it was overkill. There were so many cops there and some of his colleagues were arcing up at them and then once a police officer threatened to arrest them, they calmed down a little bit. Like, okay, we'll leave you alone, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they were really arced up. But it didn't affect his career. And they named him a partner. Oh, that's
0: oh. interesting. Equity partner. That means he would have had to buy in if I learn anything from the good wife. <laughs> and that could've that would have been a chunky sum, hundreds of thousands probably, maybe. If it was the same firm that...
4: That uh... they had on The Good Wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then, I don't know, he becomes like, you know, makes decisions and stuff like that and represents yeah. the business a lot mm. more.
1: Yeah. And,
3: and so, like, the point there is that things are still going along pretty yeah, normally nice for right. him. But Kelly was filled with paranoia and dread. Every morning she checked her car carefully for drugs. She had to start seeing a therapist. And even at one point the therapist sort of was like... Like she Kelly explained to her what had happened that the drugs had been planted and stuff and the therapist was like how did you get away with that like as in how why did they nobody gets away with having drugs in their car
0: she was saying you got away
4: with it
3: yeah or like how did why were you not arrested well like, the
4: answer is that he put the pipe in with the marijuana and
3: then the therapist was like you should have mentioned that obviously that's well, ridiculous who why, that? what
4: kind of what's this therapist well do's... that's
3: it and then it filled Kelly with more dread that nobody was ever going to believe her.
0: Oh, that sounds like a shit out therapist.
3: It was awful for the whole family. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> her daughter, Sydney, um, who turned 11 that year, refused to sleep alone, fearing she'd be abducted because oh. people had been following them. So it was pretty scary. Um, and at recess, Kelly would sometimes find her daughter sitting alone or wandering the yard just talking to herself. But she got some help as well. And just to clarify, uh, she's fine now.
0: Okay, The daughter?
3: Yes. So a guy called Christopher Duff, who was a career prosecutor in his early 40s, joined the team in the spring of 2012. He considered all the possibilities. In so many places, he thought it would have gone very differently. Like if it had happened in a different part of California, or if the cops hadn't been as experienced as Shaver was, it all could have been a very different story. And he also met with Kelly and he believed it. And he also knew that a jury would sympathize with her. Looking over the evidence, the prosecutor decided that he had he had enough. He he had their DNA on the pot pipe and yeah, paint. I was going to say that's so
4: much evidence. Yeah, really.
0: none of her DNA, I'm guessing. He had or very nah. little.
3: He had motive and opportunity. He had incriminating smartphone pings. He'd convicted killers on less. So he was like, "We've got enough evidence here."
4: That's worrying, but <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. First time I read <laughs> he it, he said
4: that. Hello, like, I've convicted killers for a lot less. Sorry, what? Sorry,
3: you've what now? Yep. Well, when I first read that sentence where it's like, he decided he had enough, <laughs> I first read it like, he'd had I've enough. I've had enough of this. But he just meant he had enough evidence. <laughs> and I only just realised that halfway through reading that sentence out loud just then. So if that tone was a little off, that's why. I, I
4: did get your tone at first wrong. It must have been. <laughs> but then I got you <laughs> straight away. <laughs> he'd had enough.
3: So the Easter's were at most expecting a warning, maybe a slap on the wrist if they if they got caught.
0: That's a lot of drugs, isn't it? Yeah, plan, like having drugs and then planning them. That feels like a, there's multiple crimes. crimes, crimes right? yeah. Yeah.
4: Breaking into a car. And their
3: lawyer mm. said that if anything happened, they'd have plenty of warning and time to have bail money ready so it would be an in and out quick process. The DA's office would like let them know this is going to happen. They're probably going to come arrest you. They could just have the bail money ready. Oh, you've arrested us. Okay, here's our bail. Goodbye. It's going to be quick and easy. But uh, that wasn't what the Irvine police had in mind. Damn right. So Keister had just dropped off two of his kids at a tennis camp when the patrol car pulled him over at a busy intersection in Irvine. They called a tow truck for his Toyota Camry, handcuffed him and drove him to the county jail in Santa Ana.
0: Okay. This He's got a Camry? A is that Camry? why it <laughs>
3: bothered you? I just read it to I was like, really, a Camry? I'm, I mean,
0: this is not like the good wife at all.
3: It's a family car.
0: Yeah. I thought he was driving some sort of luxury SUV. I feel like I could almost afford a Camry. <laughs> Matt.
3: I mean, I would
4: say dream big.
0: (laughs) No, there's no point. Well let's say what year? We're talking like I could two thousand four. I mean
4: two mate, mate, let's not exaggerate. Okay. (laughs) Late
0: nineties. Two (laughs) thousand. Late
4: nineties. (laughs) Ninety seven? You can afford
3: a ninety seven camry, yes. Yeah. For sure. So
4: they pulled him over in the camry. They've they've towed
3: him, they've taken him to the county jail and he's standing in the intake courtyard when he saw his wife, who'd been arrested at their house, arrive in a squad car. So they've both been arrested. Right? she
4: pulled over in a Ferrari? Is that what's happened? She has a very nice car? Of
3: course she does. (laughs) I don't know. No, she was at home, Dave. Right,
4: I'm just wondering why he's driving a Camry. There's so many questions
3: (laughs) (laughs) Those are the questions you focused on. They were fairly quickly released on bail, but their mug shots were everywhere, stirring a lot of comment on news and social media, most likely due to obviously like the... Uh, it's just a wealthy couple and an incredibly petty. I mean, crime. they drive a Toyota
0: Camry. <laughs> yeah, the
4: biggest scandal <laughs> is that his Camry
0: was stolen. <laughs> <fired?
4: laughs> He's part of a law firm, and they kick him out not because yeah he, of the crime, but because he was seen in a Toyota Camry.
3: Yeah, the boss walks down to the uh, to the parking garage one day. He's like, "Who the fuck, whose car is fuck this in
4: the reserve spot?
3: Lambo, 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 Lambo.
4: Lambo. Camry. Kent, Ken, come here. Someone's uh, some." Poor person has <laughs> driven a Camry into your spot. <laughs> oh no! So that's my car. No. What?
0: You're fired. Get out. They they wouldn't. I imagine Americans wouldn't say Toyota Camrys. They'd call them like Toyota Toyota Cam, Camry's. Oh
1: boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How would they say it? It's not. That doesn't sound right either, though. They probably just Camry. They still Toyota. say Toyota. They say Toyota.
3: Yeah, not to- whatever you just Camry. said. Cam- Camry.
0: Camry. Camry. I bet they say Camry. Yeah,
3: I'm sure they say Camry. Americans don't tweet at him. Let him have it. Yeah, Matt, good one. Sorry, sorry, I said Oregano. Camry. Oregano. <laughs> so DNA from Geister and Keister had turned up had turned up on the drugs, but the weight of the evidence was stronger against Keister. It was Keister who'd been captured on tape making a phony call to the police, um, implicating Kelly, and it was Keister's BlackBerry that had been pinging near Kelly's car when the drugs were planted. But it was Jester who took the blame for planting the drugs in a declaration filed with the court and quickly sealed. It wasn't a confession in the normal sense. It couldn't be used against her. Um, what?
4: So I did it, but you can't tell me I did it.
3: It was all part of this ingenious defence motion to try the Easters separately. So her admission of guilt provided a strong legal basis for the, trialling them separately. Um, which meant they couldn't testify against each other. Oh, right, because of spousal right. stuff. Exactly. So Keister would naturally wish to put her on the stand in his own defence but couldn't legally do so if they were put on trial together. Um, oh, sorry, he could if the trials were severed. So if they're put on trial together, then they can't testify against each other, but if they're separate, they are, and then he can... Anyway, oh. I'll just keep reading and it will make sense. Yeah, so
0: that I found in The Good Wife that spousal... That what is it called? Spousal uh, privilege or something? Is yeah, that was tricky, and it, it just meant that you you didn't have to, you couldn't make a spouse dob their partner in yeah, or something.
3: Some of those lines.
0: So they're trying to mess with that somehow.
3: So if the judge decided to split the trials, it was easy to envision calamity for the state's case. The defense would push to have Jill Easter tried first. Jurors wouldn't hear her confession which she'd already made, and the relatively thin evidence against her, coupled with the skill of her attorney, Paul Meyer, would give her a plausible chance at acquittal. Then she would take the stand at her husband's trial, immune from the threat of jail herself. If she could testify credibly that she'd planted the drugs, he would go free. Game over. Oh,
4: right, because she's like, I've already been found not guilty. Yep. Double
1: I jeopardy. did it. I did it.
3: Yep. And then they... isn't
4: that. Feels like a real
0: good system. Great, Don't yeah, you think? yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that ma- that's justice being done, no doubt.
3: These are two like attorneys playing the game. Um, so it was a far strategy, strategy, um, equal part cold logic and deterring. And anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll start this again. Um, so it was a it was a strategy on their part. But first, the judge had to find Jill Easter's confession believable, and he seemed to have doubts. Motion denied. The Easter's would have to stand trial together. Ah,
0: that's good. So that's good news for Kelly yes. or the, and the state.
3: So Jill Easter would agree to plead guilty to a felony count of false imprisonment by fraud or deceit. False imprisonment?
0: Yeah, where, where does that come in?
3: Because she's framing it?
0: Oh, she's counter...
3: Jill would agree to plead guilty to a felony count of false imprisonment by fraud or deceit.
4: Because you because you frame someone trying to get him yeah. in prison.
3: This would spare her the humiliation of sitting through a trial, and would also allow her to testify for her husband, um, who she s- depended on financially. So she needed him to not go to jail. Um, the sentence to begin after his uh, after Kent's trial. So she she basically um, she she pleaded guilty and she was sentenced to 120 days jail um in county jail she would she served less than half plus 100 hours at a soup kitchen just community service <laughs> 2 months jail she was also disbarred and her law degree was now useless
0: but she so was saying she, wasn't, anyway. she was non-practicing
3: yeah she she'd um she'd left to to be a stay-at-home mum that
0: is a that's a bigger probably the biggest punishment but maybe not effectively for her.
3: And it's kinda of weird too that they were, the her sentence only so she only did her time after her husband's trial. Right. Maybe it's so that somebody's looking after the kids.
1: Oh yeah.
3: Um, yeah.
0: Jeez, they've got kids. Three of them. Ugh.
3: So now November of twenty thirteen and Kent's trial began. Um, it was headed his team was headed by Thomas Beinart Junior, one of the top prosecutors in the state. And they had an interesting strategy. See Kent had already failed to avoid getting arrested. Um, he'd, uh, failed, uh, he'd lost his job and he was going to trial anyway. So the only card he had left to play was that he was a weak man, victim to his overbearing and, and intimidating wife.
0: So he's going to, just in the case anyway, turn it on to Jill?
3: Yes. Hmm. So this is what um, the, the lawyer told jurors. He says, well, Kent's a very good human being. He didn't have a backbone when it came to his wife. She wore the pants in the family. She pushed him around. Oh, gross. Um, It was all Jill's fault and she had forced him into helping. He knew that his wife had been unfaithful to him off and on for years um, and he said, I felt that it was my job to be a husband to stay married. Nobody in our family had ever gotten divorced. Oh. And he also had an explanation for why his phone was pinging off the tower close to Kelly's house and he said, oh, we swapped phones. Kelly had my phone.
4: Oh, yeah. He, no, Jill had his phone, right?
3: Oh, uh, Jill had his phone. Sorry, Arthur Kelly. We swapped phones, so he had, I've said too much. I said too much. <laughs> He'd been at home sleeping, sore from a recent surgery. Doesn't say what surgery. She'd had surgery, so it could could definitely couldn't have been me because I just had surgery. Um, she'd left her iPhone in the bedroom to charge and taken his BlackBerry. He thought she was downstairs tending to their sick daughter, but unbeknownst to him, she'd slipped out to plant the drugs. I mean. I don't know why she would take your phone to go downstairs to look after your daughter. Mm. So that
4: doesn't seem... Yeah, oh, but they send each other a bunch of messages
3: too. exactly.
0: And he's right? also yeah, exactly. playing it dumb, but he also made the call.
3: But he also said that he knew she'd been having an affair and one of the um, prosecutors was like, so you know your wife's having an affair and she's left her phone unattended just sitting right next to you and you're not looking at your phone? He's like, oh, no. Nah. And they're like... Really? (laughs) You're not snooping? And I was like, I don't know if that... Okay, yeah, all right. (laughs) Um, So he's at work later that day, and she called him to say she'd seen Kelly popping pills and driving like a mad woman. She insisted that he call the police, and he reluctantly agreed, afraid she would again belittle him as a failure if he didn't comply.
4: Oh, how embarrassing of him to be
0: pretending that this is... I know. So this is pretending he's not... I mean... We assume...
3: Well, it's just like it's a it's a strategy for the
0: yeah, trial. Right. Mm.
3: How much of it? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe she she was a pretty intense person, or who? Uh, yeah,
0: but you don't know if he actually was in on the plan the whole way, or if maybe she did go, "Hey, do this."
3: Well, there's like evidence well, cause it wasn't
1: later. because
0: his, his DNA was on all the drugs. Yeah. So how do you? He hasn't How do you explain that? that, has he? No. So it sounds like it's bullshit. hmm No, both doing it together.
3: So the charge was one count of false imprisonment by fraud or deceit, the same that Jill um was charged with. The jury couldn't reach a verdict. Eleven wanted to convict. One woman felt sorry for him. Uh. So they started again, almost a year later, in a second trial. Wow. In the first trial, the defense hadn't called uh Jill Easter to um testify. A move that um Duff assumed meant they thought they didn't need her and the case was open and shut. They're like, well, we don't even need to bring her and we've got this in the bag. So he was like, oh, they're cocky. She'd just finished her two-month jail term. This time, the defence called her into the courtroom, but there was a complication. She pointed to her ears, claiming hearing loss. She wanted more than a sign language interpreter. She wanted a screen on which to read lawyers' questions in real time. Okay, that seems like a... She's lost her hearing. Strange request. If you had like some sort of temporary hearing loss, do you think in a two-month period you'd be fluent in sign language?
0: She's asked, She asked for sign language. Yep. And so also sign to language, read it on a screen.
3: Yep. So the prosecutors um, believed that this is a ruse to throw off the cross-examination and it would be harder to trap her. She'd get extra time to process questions. And come wow, up with that is a answers. if that is
0: if it's bullshit, that's a wild
3: I know. the judge ruse. said she'd just have to make do with an interpreter like everybody else, and the defense all huddled together, reconsidering the wisdom of putting her on the stand and sent her home, so they didn't even use her in the end anyway, but like why the f- how would a how how do you claim I've got hearing loss from what? and then go i need a sign language interpreter because in the short period of time that i've had temporary hearing loss i've i'm fluent in sign language now so an interpreter would be very helpful to me and also i need a screen too i need special consideration
0: yeah that's that's, that's a real curveball in the middle here really weird and, and then, then they...
3: it backfired because then they're like oh we won't even use her then
0: yeah that just makes it seem very strange
3: yeah so the the most this is it from the article. It says the most dramatic moment of the second trial came during Duff's final remarks to jurors. He noted that the location of cell phones is knowable in three ways: when they ping against the nearest tower during calls, when texts are exchanged, and when automatic data checks monitor the device's health. Until now, the data check records, though had they'd been put into evidence, had barely been mentioned. Irvine detectives had missed their significance during their initial investigation as had Duff during the first trial. Preparing for this trial, though, he'd pored over them carefully and discovered what he thought might destroy Keister's alibi for good. It had long been established from the text pings that Jill Easter's iPhone had been at the Easter's home on the night in question. For at least part of that night, however, the data checks indicated that her phone had also been near P- at Kelly's apartment. It had been pinging off the local tower intermittently from midnight to 8am. So the Easter's had executed the plot together while a babysitter watched their kids, the prosecutor argued. Oh, they were both out that night. One had planted the drugs while the other acted as the lookout. Even if they had swapped the phones, the records put both phones at the scene so both people are at the scene.
0: (laughs) And he'd already testified that they'd swapped phones. Yeah.
3: And then so Duff just goes, guess where her cell phone is? Huh, by the victim's house. Oops. (laughs) And this scene... in court. Yeah. (laughs) And the defence were, like, really caught off guard. Um, and because he'd already finished his closing arguments, it was too late for uh, Keister's lawyer to try and convince jurors that this was junk science. After the jury left the room, he railed against the prosecutor. He said he'd been sandbagged. Duff replied that uh, their team had also had access to all of this for several years, so
0: right. it's not really
3: my fault you haven't considered that evidence properly.
0: It does seem strange that he's able to bring up basically new evidence without a right of reply. That does seem a bit weird.
3: Well, um, so Duff is still saying either the defence hadn't looked at the records at all or were hoping that I didn't look. Right. And Judge Thomas Gothols saw no reason that Duff couldn't have saved a good argument for the end. And he said, it seems to me Mr Duff made a strategic decision. It and seems that- to me
4: that you're fucked.
3: The jury only needed two hours to decide. Guilty as charged.
4: Oh, they didn't even need a free hotel.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you don't want it. No, yeah, are fair enough. Fuck it. Get, go home. Um, nearly done. So the judge ordered Kent Easter taken into custody, um, but he hadn't expected this and he'd made no arrangements for his three children. So the judge gave him a day to arrange his affairs.
4: What? I mean, wouldn't you just think on the off chance you're going to get convicted work out? No,
3: but he was that smug. He was like, no, I'll be fine.
4: Sorry, Kent.
3: And so the judge gave him a day and the, the um, judge said, out of concern for nothing but your children. He's, the, the judge made it very clear he didn't like this guy.
4: <laughs> but Jill's still at home at this point, right?
3: Well, when he's told his wife the news that day, um, Keister said in court papers later, she told him he should kill himself so she could collect a $500,000 life insurance policy. And when he refused, she made another desperate suggestion and escape to Belize with the kids, or she would kill herself. Don't know why that oh,
0: my would help either. Okay, Jill. Belize, that's where uh, McAfee went. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's right. So he faced up to three years in state prison, um, and yeah, like I just said, the judge made no secret of his contempt for him, um, but noted that the prisons were full. He said, in a perfect world, I'd send you to prison largely as a statement of disgust for what you and your wife did. Instead, he sentenced him to 180 days in county jail, of which he would serve half, so two months. What are you talking no, wait, about? 180 days, yeah.
4: America's full of stories Three of months. people going to jail forever for, like, possession of drugs, yeah. right? P- forever. Yeah. And then this guy, wealthy white man. goes Possession th- and, well,
0: drives a Camry, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have sent you to jail, there. but I feel sorry for the fact that you drive a Camry, so. <laughs> it's probably, I mean, it could be a new model, the kind of car that I could never afford, you know. So I mean, I'm I'm only joking
4: because it's just a funny.
3: Yeah, what if it's a new one with all the whiz bang features? I feel like he could have
4: said nearly any other car, but we all. Just I don't know why Camry is It just funny. seems like such a middle of the road car.
3: Yeah. So yeah, he serves half his sentence plus 100 hours of community service and three years probation.
4: So after all that, he not much.
3: So um, this is from the article again. It says Easter did his time without the luxury of anonymity. Inmates recognised him from TV and some thought he ought to be taken down. One day, he said, two of them knocked him down and bloodied his nose. I mean, it could be a lot worse in jail. Oh, they knocked me over. They shanked
0: me in the nose.
3: (laughs) I got a nose ring. It looks sick. Um, He'd filed for divorce just before his second trial and he was still serving time uh, when Jill Easter petitioned for custody of the three kids. She wrote of his instability and irrational behaviour and described him as an angry workaholic and heavy drinker, prone to mood swings, who would isolate That's himself. They on each other. Yeah, he'd isolate himself from his family. Such a sad story. Um, and she said, she said he blamed his drinking on his difficult relationship with his Catholic parents, who rejected her as a non-Catholic. And she said that he had threatened to take the kids if she didn't plead guilty to the drug planting. So they're just turning on each other. Mm. Um, He was released from jail in 2014, December of 2014, and complained in his own court papers that Jill wouldn't let him talk to their kids, wouldn't give him updates on the family cat, and wouldn't give him the airway machine he needed for his sleep apnea. Sorry, updates on the family cat was a little bit funny.
4: That that is funny and also one of the saddest things I've ever heard. I know. Oh, no, he wanted updates on the cat,
3: Ken. So it's this wild, like... Insanely confusing story. But basically, um, just to sum it up a little bit, Kelly, um, there was like this settlement and Kelly was awarded $5.7 million or something like that for her damages. From wow. the family? Yeah, I believe so.
4: Gosh. And, and wrote a book about it. She's
3: written a book about it. It's called I'll Get You, Drugs, Lies and the Terrorising of a PTA Mum. It's written right. by Kelly Peters and Sam Rule. And was it, it a Quite average.
4: Was it a six, is it a success? The book?
3: Um, it's got like very good reviews on Amazon, which is very confusing, because like there's obviously not that much. Like what I've read to you there is a very detailed story that this. I mean, it wasn't just reading the L.A. Times article, but like the L.A. Times article is very thorough.
4: So, but it's not a very thick book. You think?
3: No, it must have been like they must have written this and then gone, okay, well we need more. So they just like the first few chapters are just about Kelly's life, Kelly's upbringing and stuff, right? And it's like this isn't fully relevant to this story, but okay. Um, so yeah, so she's she's been on Doctor Phil too, by the way. This whole thing, and there was even a pre-recorded interview with Jill Easter as well, who was still denying everything.
1: Yeah,
0: right. Still denying, even though she she didn't deny it in court.
3: Yeah, exactly. And she, I, I've just I've forgotten because I didn't um. I didn't write it down, but uh, Jill's, like, changed her name, goes by a different name now.
4: Chester. she's committed. Oh, she sounds like, yeah.
3: And I don't, I don't know what's happened with, like, their family or their kids or anything like that. Ava, Ava Everhart, I think. Does she
4: come across as unhinged when she's on something like Dr. Phil? Yeah. You're watching it going, This lady is like you know, lying or whatever.
0: Everyone comes off as unhinged on Dr. Yeah, that's Joe. a good Sorry. point.
4: That it's, is a good point. It's a Dr. Phil Prism.
0: <laughs> yeah. The editing and everything on that, I'm sure, is not to make you look great, but Yeah. Including Dr. Phil. Yeah. <laughs> he does not come off. well. <laughs> he does well. not come off well on that show.
4: <laughs> Phil, have a word to the editor's mate. That is such a crazy story all because of some bizarre thing that her son was left outside for a few minutes. Yeah. And nothing ever happened to it.
0: What a nightmare. I know. For Kelly and for everyone For involved. everyone. It and seems those like such
3: kids. a mess. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the kids.
4: Your parents are off.
3: So this was um, suggested as well. It was only suggested by one person. It was suggested by Carlos, um, who sent me the link of the LA Times article, which sucked me in a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I should be, I was supposed to be working on, I think I was supposed to be working on my Arnie report and I just got really sucked in reading this article and I was like, I'll never do it justice. But I thought I'd give it a go. So I hope I did an okay job with that What are you going to call it? Um, What Carlos called it was the framing of Kelly Peters.
0: Oh, great. Which I
3: liked. But I didn't want to give any of that away to you guys. But you will
0: give it out to the
1: audience. What do you reckon? I don't know. Hmm.
4: Yeah, Um, it's hard to know how much you want people to know going in because it was interesting for us to all hear it in yeah, maybe you As just it call it,
0: yeah, the Kelly Peters. Hmm, curious case of Kelly Peters.
3: <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, just imagine if it had been a different cop. It was, like, a, a less experienced cop yeah, who just goes slam dunk.
0: It just makes it sound to me like there are so many people in jail.
3: Oh, yeah. It's always terrifying to think about. And so many bad people not in jail. Yeah. There's that, too. So that's fun to think about, too. <laughs> Yay! But anyway, that is my report on the framing of Kelly Peters. Was that okay?
0: That was great. That was great. Thank great. you. I was in the whole way. I have chewed my fingernails off. You have? No, you were chewing a lot, I noticed, this episode. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to. Stressed. I was I was riding it. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. In the end, it was sort of all went uh, like it sounds like they uncovered what really happened, yeah. seemingly.
4: Yeah. Well, great report and apologies to anyone who drives a Toyota Camry.
0: Yeah, I'm not at all making a judgment on that. It just did seem, in my head, I'm picturing this guy in a power suit driving a Porsche or yeah, something. Like yeah, like, slick back hair. I mean, so it's it, actually kind of made me like him more than he drove a camera.
3: It's still better than my car. I have a I have a Toyota Echo. Echo? Like an asshole. <laughs> like a dumb bitch would.
0: Nah, your car's cool. What's his name? Norman? Colin. Colin. <laughs> Norman. Norman. Dave, what's your car's called?
4: Uh, I don't use the name very much, but probably, uh, Hercule.
0: Of course. (laughs) Of
3: course. Super question.
0: I don't, I I should, I don't have a name for mine, maybe Blinky, because of his messed up eye.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's sweet. I like that. That's cute.
0: Blinky Bill. Uh, okay. Well, that brings us to everyone's favorite section of the show, fact, quote, or question segment. Jess, you doing the jingle anymore? Fact,
3: quote, or question. Ding.
0: (laughs) Ding. How's that timing on the ding? Mm, it's no good. What? That was that too late. Oh, I, just I thought it was pretty I good.
3: I just... you just don't get it, Dave.
0: I would have done this joke before, though, Dave. The Simpsons reference. Um, why do they always... Why do they always forget the ding? <laughs> oh, some <laughs> yeah. version of that. Yeah. God, such. Oh, I found that so funny. That must have been late in the good era, or maybe even into the bad era. Uh, if there is such a thing. should we I mean,
4: make any Simpsons references this episode?
0: I don't know. So I'm glad I saved that one for then. But I'm sure I do it nearly every week. Uh, so the fact quote or question is a section of the show where Patreons, who so can support us at patreon.com slash do-go-on-pod and support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Rest in Peace Memorial level, you can give us a fact, a quote, or a question. And you also get to give yourself a nickname or a title, sorry. Or whatever you like, really. Uh, and this week, it is long-term, fact, quote or questioner, Gary J.
3: Gary J! Gary J.
0: I should say, if there are uh, other people in the Sydney Sheinberg level, I am running towards the last handful of these over the probably the next two or three weeks. So if you haven't put one in for a while, you should get a new one in. Uh, so Gary J has given himself the title of... Uh, he said, Gary J from the UK, bracket in a brummy accent. So I don't... Is the accent I do right? Gary J from the UK. That's not quite right, is it? Gary J from the UK. That's ben yeah, better. a that real good deeper. One. Gary, oh, Gary J from the UK. I can't. It's, it's Ozzy Osbourne, but I can't do <laughs> voices. Just yell Sharon. Sharon! Gary, Sharon! Gary J from the UK. Sharon. Uh, sorry about that, Gary. I thought myself out of it. You've asked a question, Gary. And let's see, I don't read them until I read them. And here we go. No fact, quote, or question this time. Ooh, just a massive thank you for the pod. I bloody love it. This and all the others on your little mini network in a network. Actually, wait, I have a question. When are you going to do a Don Bradman report?
1: <laughs> oh,
4: Gary. Uh. So we have a uh, Patreon group on Facebook for the people that support us on Patreon. And... Uh, Fantastic post going. There's a lot of discussion about episodes and all sorts of vaguely related things. And Gary J is currently on a campaign every week. We get a Don Bradman fact until we do an episode on the greatest cricketer of all time, greatest batsman. Greatest cricketer, I reckon you could call that. Um, I, love, I, I actually
0: was doing a bit of reading about Don Bradman today with this, the thought today. I'll put it up on my next vote, Gary. That's my promise to you. All right. <laughs> so now it's up to the other Patriots. Yeah, they
4: let Gary J have his day. Because to me, I
0: mean, you're an Englishman, we're Australians, he's a big deal. America, where a, a big chunk of our listeners are from, probably have never heard of him. And I wonder if it would be an interesting story. I don't know heaps about him, the Don. Except that he was very, very good. Very, very. He's our Babe Ruth.
4: Our Babe Ruth, our Michael Jordan, our yeah. Wayne Gretzky.
0: Yeah. Um, our Kelly
4: Slater. Trying to think of the best of the best
0: in every sport. Yeah, well, what else you got there? Who's the best of a footballer? I don't know if I'd know who. Uh, so Pele. Used... Oh, sorry, I was talking about American football, but. Yeah. Oh right. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Gaddy G. And uh, the second fact quarter question this week comes from Phil Verhey or Ver Ver Verhey. Ver, he? ver, Hip hop Verho Verhey Ver. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we we're, we're recording it. this real late at night. Okay, if I ha- can I have an excuse, Phil. Sorry about that, Phil for hay, Phil for hay. <laughs> oh no, Phil for He's given himself the title of executive resident misophonia sufferer, lover of all microphone muffs. Oh, what, do you, Dave? Do you know what misophonia? No, is?
4: I don't know what that is. But if he loves a microphone muff, you should come hang out in the studio.
0: Yeah, I'm, I wonder if that means he, plosives are uh affect him or something misophonia this is off um just the top google result Mm. meaning hatred of sound was proposed in 2000 as a condition in which negative emotions thoughts and physical reactions are triggered by specific sounds misophonia is not classified as an auditory or psychiatric condition and so is different from phonophobia there are no standard diagnostic criteria and there is little research on how common it it is, or the treatment. Oh, interesting!
3: Very interesting.
0: Uh, well, hopefully we're not. We haven't made you suffer too much today, <laughs> Phil. Uh, Phil has offered us a quote. Thank you so much for this, Phil. And his quote is: "There are two kinds of Arctic problems: the imaginary and the real. Of the two, the imaginary are the most real." Whoa! And that's from, Vyacheslav Stephenson. I don't know who that is. Let me quickly no. Google him.
4: What does that mean? Yeah, I'm that not sure is, i get it, it. sounds
0: deep. Let me say it one more time. There are two kinds of Arctic problems, the imaginary and the real. Of the two, the imaginary are the most real. If he's like an Arctic explorer, then maybe that's like he's talking about the things you imagine are the ones that yeah. get to you the most. Let me look him up. He's an Icelandic-American Arctic explorer and ethnologist. He was born in Manitoba, Canada, and died at the age of 82. So I'm guessing what he's saying is, you know, the mind plays tricks on you and the most full-on problems are the things that you create in your own mind. Maybe is that how I interpret that?
3: Yeah, I think that probably sounds about right.
0: Wow, that's a wild quote. Uh, Thank you so much, Phil. He sounds like an interesting fella. Uh, Dave, you, you didn't come across him in that... In your research on that Arctic.
4: No. Um, a while back.
0: Uh, thank you so much to you too, Phil and Gaddy G. Uh That brings us to another section where we thank an- a few other Patreon supporters. Jess, you normally come up with a bit of a game here.
3: Yeah, what car they drive.
0: Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to give you all a car. We'll have a best guess. Let us know how accurate we are. Uh, firstly, if I could thank someone. From Lynnbrook in Victoria, our home state here, I'd love to thank Natalie Arnott. <gasps> Nissan Cube. Oh, right, because that's how Arnott's biscuits are kept, in cubes.
4: Oh, I love that. Sort of. Yeah, right? I cookie, that's a cookie very... cubes.
0: They're very um, cool-looking cool cars. The big cubes.
4: seller in Asia, I believe. It's like, really popular over there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I could fully... I'm picturing, like, it's a pretty boxy car on purpose.
4: Yeah, absolutely boxy, yeah. It's that's a cube. Cool.
0: Yeah, it's sort of in the name. Yeah, do they spell it quirkily with a K or something? No, <laughs> no. Best opportunity, there. Yeah, it should be a cube. <laughs> yeah, Q U U B. Cube. I drive a cube. Qu- a Nissan cube. I'm quirky. I drive a cube. Uh, Nissan's another one. The Americans say different Nissan. Aust- Nissan. So good. I love Nissan. Uh, thank you so much, Natalie. And I hope you're zooming around in your sweet Nissan Cube. I'd also love to thank from Merritt Island in Florida, United States, Ryan Lovelet. Let, let
4: love. Lovelet.
3: Um,
4: Lovelet. That's a small Audi. Amount of love. Oh, nice one. Audi Quattro. Audi Quattro. Audi Quattro. What
0: does that mean? Is that a four-wheel drive?
4: No, not typically. Okay. Just a beautiful European car.
0: Okay, the Audi Quattro, beautiful car for a beautiful man, Ryan Lovelett.
4: It was uh, they used to rally them. I know that's why I know them. I'm looking up now. Oh yeah, that's right. Here we go. There's a picture of the the famous Audi Quattro that they would rally in the in the 80s. My dad was a big fan. Yeah, it's right. a rally car. That looks like Fnatic. a four
0: wheel drive. I mean, it's got Quattro in the name. It's oh, got fair, four wheels. Pretty confident that's a four wheel drive. But <laughs>
4: I thought you meant an SUV.
0: Good point. Good point. I can see how that would have been confusing. Uh. Thank you so much, Ryan, Natalie. Oh, It's known for its quattro
4: all-wheel drive system. You are absolutely correct, sir.
0: Well, I'm a pretty big car head, so you'd know, you know that if you saw me zooming around in my Kia. <laughs> 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 Can <laughs> I
1: 2004. thank some people, pretty too? important year
0: for car, for motoring. <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you, Natalie and Ryan. I'd love to also thank, from Philadelphia,
4: Catherine Nesbitt.
0: Ooh, Philadelphia.
4: How about the, fly- the shiny, flyer city. shiny black Cadillac? Oh,
0: oh okay. Nesbitt. I was uh, yes, great. I was about to go something better than that, but yeah. Well, you're right.
3: save it, save well, it.
0: Well, hey,
4: there's plenty more cars to be given out tonight.
0: Well, it was connected to Philadelphia, but oh, what was it? <laughs> wasn't at all. Uh, okay,
3: the, no, no, save it.
0: The hockey teams, the Flyers. I was going to go with the uh, the flying car from Back to the Future.
3: <laughs> that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> which I'm blanking on. What are they called again? Oh, oh fuck! Well, now you now know. I am too. Uh, oh fuck! Oh no! You. Uh, back to the. Oh
3: my god! This, I'm going to yell it's... as soon as you say it because, of course, I know
0: it. Delore. Delorean. Brianne. Fuck!
3: Fuck! Jessica. Shit. It's so late at night to it's be fair. So
0: late to be fair to on us to be fair to on us.
3: <laughs> be fair to us. So thank you, Catherine. I'd also love to thank from La Habra in California. Whoa. Gabby Felcioni. Oh, oh my wow.
0: goodness, fantastic. My goodness. Man. From California, the state of where we were just talking about. Yeah.
4: What about my all-time dream car? A Mazda Tribute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. My all-time dream car is of course the Volkswagen Kombi van.
3: Oh, oh so I love good. them. I want a Volkswagen Beetle,
1: oh, a they're yellow one. Oh, both very
4: cool.
0: Yeah, great options. Would you go classic or I mean or
3: oh, the newer I, ones? I mean, I probably, you know, as a teen, would have said the newer ones. But now, if I could have like a done up old school Beetle. Yeah. F- I would love that.
0: My dream car. Maybe I'll tell I'll give the next one my dream car. Okay. Uh okay, well you, the dream car, uh, thank you there to Gabby and Godspeed Gabby on the road Falcioni. there. Gabby Felcioni. I mean, I was loving the names like Natalie Arnett, Ryan Lovelet, Catherine Nesbitt, but Gabby Falcioni.
4: That's next level.
0: That's just brought that, that quattro of names. Fantastic. Oh, that's an
4: anti-quattro right there. But let me take it to the five zone with Amanda Rewuki from Canmore, Canada. Oh, yes. Amanda it's Rew- not a great name, Wookiee.
0: And
3: Amanda, conveniently, Matt, drives your dream car. Oh, yeah, what has a- Amanda got?
0: Oh, it's, a, it's a 1978 oh. XC Ford Falcon. Wow. Beautiful car. Four-door in that bluey green. Oh. It's I a mean, toss-up between that and, a like, a 71, like, early 70s, the XYX. W Falcons. Oh my goodness! One day, if I can, if I ever somehow fall into money, mm. I'm gonna get classic one of these classic Falcons.
3: And will you get me a Beetle?
0: Yes, I'll get you a Beetle. Thank well, I think it's more likely that you'll be you'll be buying no, the no. cars.
3: No, no, I want one from you.
0: Uh, but yeah, the. The, I, I think we're going to look sick going around and probably all cars from maybe the 70s too.
4: Yeah, pretty cool cars. Very cool. Well, we've got one more person to thank and that is all the way from Mimile. Via Alice Springs in the Northern Territory, it is Dylan Burns. Dylan Burns. Thanks so much Does for your support. Burns ben- in a Aston Martin DB5. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god. Is that a? That's, that's the good. Goldfinger James Bond car. The really Gold cool one that comes finger. back. Or, that came back in our Skyfall. It's it's like you know.
3: That's an amazing car. If I
4: had unlimited money, of course I'd say goodbye to the V the VW combi and I go straight into. An Aston Martin. The Aston Martin. Oh, my that God, is a yes. beautiful automobile. That is a beautiful car, but I do not have $4 million to spare. That but is you know who does? That is beautiful automobile. Dylan
0: Burns. Dylan Burns got good it. Good for you, Dylan. That's a fantastic purchase. Well done. That's my that's my XC.
3: Oh, yeah, okay. That's a classic.
0: Yeah. It's a tidy automobile.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad.
0: I'll get you from A to B.
3: Thank you very much to all of you who have... Uh, who we just shouted out to, Natalie, Ryan, Catherine, Gabby, Amanda,
4: and Dylan. Good on you guys. You're all in our hearts.
0: And minds and beautiful automobiles. Uh, And I'd also love to see, Dave, um, if if you've got a quick fact you can give us while I check to see if anyone's getting in tonight to the...
4: Oh uh, well, um, I've just looked up the James Bond Aston Martin DB5 that uh, Dylan drives, and I think he must have bought it last year at auction, where it sold for six point four million US dollars. Jesus $6. Christ, that is 6. so much money. Six point four mil, um, close to ten in our money, ten million dollars. Whoa! So he's got some. But you can buy the um, Lego from Myer in Australia of that car for just two hundred nine dollars and ninety nine cents.
3: Two hundred dollars and Lego is so expensive. It is. What so
4: happened e- with that? What
0: happened? It used to be about the joy.
3: No, now it's about the cash.
0: <laughs> uh, as soon as the fa- remember the report I did, it was it was a family business for a long time, and yeah. the money people came in. I've got to assume. Uh, so there are two inductees into the Triptych Club this week. What are they? What are we serving up this week, Bob?
3: Oh, in the, in is, there, the VIP. is there a spe-
0: Do we have a special drink cocktail this week?
3: Yeah, a drink cocktail.
0: I suppose one of them food cocktails. Uh,
3: this week we're serving up. Tommy's margaritas. Ooh. Oh, love that. What's
0: Tommy's little twist that he does? I don't know, but I know that I
3: prefer a Tommy's, I think. Yeah. I can never.
0: My I friend Anna sure has it.
3: to remind me every time. I'm like, what's the difference again? And then she tells me, and I go, oh, that's right. And then I forget in between. Is it a shaking out stirred type situation? No, Dave, stop talking, you stupid bitch.
0: <laughs> so please God. grab a Tommy's <laughs> martini on your way Margarita! through. Margarita! Margarita, damn it. What did I do to deserve such a flat, flavorless Manhattan? <laughs> uh, from, I watched that recently. From Lancashire, Great Britain, it's Ben Duckworth. Please grab one of those ma- margaritas. T- margaritas. Frick. And from uh, Georgia, I think, in U.S. GA, Dave, Georgia, general admission at the very least... <laughs> Anthony Archild Anthony from Lawrenceville. Thank so you so grab much. Give yourself a couple of drinks. It's so good to have you here in the club. Welcome. So if people don't know, that's um, Patreon supporters of ours who've been on the $5 plus level for three years. You get invited into this very exclusive club. Dave's working on some gold sparkly... Uh, font to put Look, your names all on our website.
4: Bill Gates will not return my emails. <laughs> 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 no, how do I get it on there? He won't return my emails. So, any any day now he's going to get back on. there He's going to hack the mainframe, t- typey typey, and you'll be on there.
0: We've really got to change our host to one of those new ones that makes even like plebs like us can change it.
3: Honestly, I made my website with Wix, and it was very. It's still very hard to edit. Okay, <laughs> so confused. Hear that, Matt? Hear that?
0: Yeah, okay. But All right. I what?
3: am am much dumber than Dave.
0: Dave, what if, why don't you just write it in a gold sparkly pen, take a photo, then upload the photo there? Have Dave
3: you has my the writing? worst writing. <laughs> yes, you was, have the you. nicest writing. You write it, and Dave can upload it.
0: Oh, upload That's the, the bit that I don't understand. It's the uploading to this website. Yeah, so it.
3: you yeah. write it, Dave will upload it. Yes. Why
0: is, it, is our front page still just like... You've got to scroll down for three weeks and it's one episode. That's is so it still that?
4: You know, we got an email. Like this. So ACAST is the people that host our podcast. We get an email like every week, like, update from ACAST. It said, oh, we've now added a subscribe button to the player. Fantastic. But can you make it not nine feet long? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so big.
4: Go to our website, digonepod.com. You have to scroll down. Well, so
0: It's been like this for a long time and we've got to do something about it.
4: It but look, like... can you see there's a subscribe button there now, so it's pretty that's exciting. Pretty good. There is too, yeah. It takes you a week to get to it, but <laughs> What's it look like we that? We
0: should can you reply to one of those emails and let them? they maybe they don't even know. But it's it is funny. <laughs>
4: <laughs> look if you zoom out, oh that's God, what our website looks going. like. It's, it
0: looks like it's built for <laughs> it's a really so long dumb. tablet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um it used to be on the old host that used to uh you could see so in that same amount of space, you could see the last 100 episodes. Yeah, it was so
1: good. <laughs>
0: anyway, we love cast. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably like one of the very few things that I haven't enjoyed ab- about them is that weird quirk on their, on their players. But um, we have not said it to anyone, so I would... There's probably a button we'll click that will fix that. Don't you think? There'll be some options that we can... Anyway does not need to be talked about now. Um, thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We've yeah. Done, is that, that's kind of the yeah. We've done everything yeah, we need we to. It. Follow us on uh, social medias at dogoonpod on all of them, including at gmail.com and our website. Check out that website,
3: dogoonpod.com. <laughs> it's,
4: it's hard to trot.
3: I've at- only just seen on our website where it says follow us. It has a rollover for Dave, Jess, Matt and do go on. Dave has Twitter, Instagram and his website, Matt. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website, Jess, Twitter.
4: Why is that? You've only just recently got a website.
3: I also still have Facebook and Instagram. You've never been on Instagram, mate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is weird. Why is that? I
4: don't
0: know. Twitter, you don't even like Twitter.
4: I hate Twitter. I don't have it. All right. I'll I'll email Bill Gates. Jesus. (laughs) He's a busy guy. He's saving the world
0: or something. Bill, help. Bill, please. So you don't think Wix is the guy? We're going to find... Anyway, we'll talk about this later. Um... So thanks so much for joining us, everyone. If you are listening to this podcast right now, which I'm pretty sure you are, check out the live show tab on our website and see if we're coming near you. Yeah, that's up to date. That's up to date. I've done that. Dave knows somehow he's figured out that one bit, (laughs) but the rest (laughs) is real confusing. It's easy to add an event. I know how to do that. So we've got uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival at the time of recording coming up, a a month of four shows, but we've got plans of getting around Australia and maybe, hopefully, a couple of mini international tours and maybe even one big one later in the year, but nothing is confirmed yet. But keep checking on the events thing and our social medias and we'll keep you updated on all that sort of stuff, if you are lagging behind the new episodes, that is. Uh, but apart from that, um, we'll see you next week. I'll be back from Brisbane then and we'll just about be going into Melbourne Comedy Festival. Very
4: exciting. So exciting. So, so exciting. But until then, we'll say thanks for listening and I'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. Uh, later. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting
3: Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean,
4: if you
2: want. It's, It's up to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.